Hello. Hello. And my voice isn't as cool as Shant's. I was you said it so cool and I my I my immediate instinct was to try and sound like you and I couldn't. <laughs> it was Do it so again. Let's Hello. 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 <laughs> it was so disappointing. Like your voice sounded so cool. And I tried it. It was so disappointing it's in a my filter. ears. I do believe Shantz has a filter on, but I could be that's wrong. No, that's your real natural. voice. Hashtag no filter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you're not able to watch most of Jenny's videos. Maybe none. Um, well, I did see does... uh, the idol stuff last year. And okay. Aaron talks about you a, a bunch, and I can't remember you, you Aaron. You had told Never. me some other That's stuff. That's so embarrassing. Usually, when we're recording this, it's evening our time, so I can have a beverage. Uh, this is morning our time, so I have to have a coffee. Yeah. I did think about a mimosa, but it, I don't want to crack champagne for one. That's <laughs> depressing. <laughs> I did not get you and Mum matching jammies. Would you um, like me to get matching jammies? We were in Costco, and Costco has family pajamas, like this whole wall of family pajamas. And your mom was um, expecting them quite thoroughly, but she hadn't done enough prep. So sizing for each person is always a challenge. So she decided not to. Do they call them the whole fam jammas? Because if not, they should. Yeah. <laughs> you are amazing. How are you this many? It's six forty-five a.m. Early, yeah. Hey, I'm like, going back I'm to bed. Probably still asleep, but we'll see. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> All right. Shall we get the show on the road? Sounds good. This time. Welcome to Feather and Mountain Podcast, Season Two, Episode Thirteen. I'm your host, Delusions of Grendel. With me, as always, is my co-host Graham. Graham, how you doing? Doing just dandy, Grendel. It's uh, bright and early in the morning because we have some really special guests on again today. Uh, we're recording the day before this is going to be released. So this will literally be hot off the press. I'm just so darned excited. Fingers crossed it'll be hot. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> steaming, steaming. Uh, speaking of our special guests, welcome, Lesby Nerdy and Shansony. How are you ladies doing on this fine, fine Wednesday? I'm I'm doing good. I it's- also am doing good. <laughs> you are you are functioning within normal parameters. Exactly. Yes. You notice her voice has that Siri ring to it. That's very impressive. <laughs> it really is freaky. <laughs> like, Honestly, I, if I could. Oh, sorry, Jenny. I was going to say when I first met Chance today, it was all like voice chat, right? So for a while, I was like, is it's like is that it? Is it an app? <laughs> I think there's still people like in voice chat that think that I'm like just some kind of bot that comes in to make their lives miserable. Which, yeah. It's my favorite day. It's my I favorite know. day when someone knew, especially when Dusty Wheel was doing like all of the pre-release episodes. Mm. We were in voice chat a bunch early pandemic days. Yeah. And uh, if someone was getting out of line or you know was drinking a bit too much on a wednesday because pandemic yeah. all of a sudden chansony's voice would be in your ears and the number of people who would just type into chat what kind of bot is this how do you how do i turn do... that off yeah like, can somebody do something about this bot yeah it's pretty funny yeah <laughs> but we're not here to talk about Bots. No. We're here to talk about episode five of the Wheel of Time on Amazon Prime, Blood 
Calls Blood, Ooh. which is the title from the second book, but they threw it? it in. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, cute, right? yeah, it's yeah. the one where things happen and then other things happen and then there's blood right. calling blood. Right. The thing that, ha- that yeah, all the things. All yes. the things that happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but that's okay. They were trying to throw us off the scent is what they were trying to do. And you know what? They definitely did it because as we were talking about this, I think it was with um, Tucker and Riyadh last week, we were talking about the episode titles because episode four is The Dragon Reborn. Mm -hmm. Episode five is Blood Calls Blood. And then we have, I think episode six is The Amarlin Seat or The Flame of Tarvalon. Flame of Tarvalon, yeah. Flame of Tarvalon, which is another chapter from The Great Hunt. Mm -hmm. So dead set, dead convinced that like season one ended at episode four and then we were on to the events of the great hunt yeah yeah oh i know like uh you know ali from uh wheel takes podcast was like certain she knew it was like it it was because of blood calls blood she her uh perception of what happened in season one was skewed because of the title because she read too much into the title these these writers they know how Mm. to fuck with us yeah um, but that's not what this episode is about. This episode happens. Uh, I'm still, I guess, like the blood calls blood is kind of a nice um, title for an episode that opens and closes with a funeral mm-hmm. um, of Aes Sedai and Warder. Mm-hmm. So, Karene's blood was singing Calling? to step in. <laughs> Call on me. Well, somebody was singing. Yeah, there was there was definitely singing in this episode. There was singing. Um, so yeah, let's talk about this. A year later, blood calls blood. Uh, Graham, how did this episode hit you on rewatch? Well, the first thing I noticed because each of the other episodes outside of episode one, of course, had a bit of a cold open to it. This wasn't really a cold open; it was a continuation, a logical time flow. Well, it was uh, snowing across. Well, there you go. <laughs> I didn't notice that. And me, a Canadian, not noticing that it's snowing, my natural habitat. I don't understand what's going on. Um, I, I like the episode a lot. I don't know where I'd rank it, to be perfectly honest. It was it was mm-hmm. very interesting, and I loved the way the characters move. You, lo- you learn a ton more about the warders in this episode than you had before, which I think is cool, and a lot of solid land time for those people that are into it um a little bit more naive which is good too and uh, but i guess the real focus of the episode was perrin and Egwene in terms of importance of the plot at least from my mm. perspective uh and you know but then it moved forward so but i i did like the episode i would probably rank it behind three Based on and, and three stepped up because of all you nerds in the world of the Wheel <laughs> of Time, and I say that with the utmost respect. Of course, I'm an old nerd myself, but I'm more of a Lord of the Rings nerd than a mm. Wheel of Time nerd. Uh, so, with all of uh, you nerds being so favorable on episode three, I've actually gone back and watched it several times just to pick up on stuff because everybody was like, "Oh, I moved the character so many, reintroduced this and I reintroduced that." It was all new to me. Like I, I had no clue. The first time I watched it, I found the first half to be slow and the second half to be just kicking. Um, and then episode four is still my favorite just because it seemed to be moving from start to finish, just really exciting and um, all that stuff. This maybe would fall just behind episode three based on that, just because I, I thought the, um, again, the plot development was great. I thought the acting was wonderful. I thought the storylines were excellent and it actually made me interested in Perrin. 
So I okay. think that's a real bonus for this mm-hmm. episode. Just anyway, okay, we got some, in, my, got some parent summer. love coming in. Interesting. Um, I'm going to have follow-up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I will not. I will not stand for this much longer. <laughs> um, I do have follow-up questions to that, but I'm going to save them to the end after we've talked about all the things. Uh, Jenny, how how does episode five sit with you on on rewatch? Um. Episode. It's. In, I find it interesting that you asked me back. Asked me for this particular episode mm-hmm. because it was one of my my personally one of my lowest. But I do fully acknowledge, even on rewatch, it's the same thing that happens to me. And I fully acknowledge that it is the book reader in me that knew the information that the episode was conveying. So, like part of my like part of my brain is just. Uh, I, I just want to get to the part that I care about, and so a lot of the episode is focusing on, I'm trying to think how to talk about this without, can, can we talk about things that aren't in the, like explain things that aren't in the books versus. We can, we can talk about broad concepts and ideas that are brought up in the show, but don't go spoilers into like the books okay. themselves beyond. We can talk about eye of the world because it's been a year. Right. Um, right. So we can talk about what happens in the first book as long as. Yeah. Okay. Like basically, because there are characters in this, episode well characters in the last couple of episodes who aren't in the books and because of that yes yeah Krenny and and Stepan and so because of that person like and this is I I fully acknowledge this is entirely subjective the minute they were introduced I knew they were going to die because they weren't in the books and so I was in no way emotionally invested in their story or their plot because and it's like that's the book reader goggles that I have it was just like oh these characters have been introduced to die Great. And then, but the, so I watched them die. Now die. (laughs) Yeah. Now die. And so it was very hard. And I like, I know that that's stupid. I know I should be able to get into it, but I couldn't get past that in my head. It's the same thing I have with, for example, it's like knowing that Barney Harris was not going to be the actor ultimately. Like I knew that before season one. I, so I couldn't get into his performance because I just couldn't like mentally could not get into his performance because, well, I'm, I'm going to have to give him up. So I can't shut it off in my head. I know, I know, I know it's not, I'm not doing it on purpose. I try to get too attached. (laughs) Yeah. That's get emotionally invested. (laughs) No, I can't. It's not his character. I just couldn't get emotionally. Like I couldn't be like, Oh, he's like, people talk about his performance and I literally, I blank on it because I didn't get attached to it and I can't turn that on in my brain. But I love hearing all of that having been said, I love hearing non-readers talk about episode five because it reminds me what the episode did. And what the episode did was give you information that you needed as a non-reader because it's information that is conveyed in very like in a very different way in the books, but it's much more concise in the show and they give it to you earlier, but I think it's needed. I think it's a needed thing. And so it, I, I don't like when I, right after the episode, I was like, oh, I didn't like that. But hearing non-readers talk about it and talk about what they took from it makes me go, oh yeah, that's why that was there. I get why it was there. Yeah. Um, I will say I did bring you on this episode in large part because the ones that I struggle with throughout the season, <laughs> I need people to come on and tell me <laughs> why I should like it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, you know, we're going to like, Hmm. convince each other yeah yeah (laughs) uh chance as a show fan 
Um, yes. What did you think of episode five? Um, I liked it more on second watch. Um, and I had the same kind of, uh, I guess, idea about um, the episode going in as Jenny, because, I mean, we knew that uh, Corinne and Stepan were just there to fulfill a quote-unquote, you know, narrative function, but I was surprised at how emotional I was on rewatch when Stepan came on screen as they were returning to Tarvala, because, like, I do have the ability, I guess, to just kind of be in the moment with the show and just experience what the show is trying to, to give me for good or ill. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And for me, Corinne and Stefan definitely did work. Um, and like, I was like, why am I being emotional right now? <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> but, so embarrassing you know, for a bot. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> like I'm That's an embarrassment great, to all other artificial intelligences. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I did, I, I had that experience and I was like, you know, this is, you know, actually really heartbreaking what's happening right now, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, I was able to just be really dialed in. And then the moment that I was like, wow, okay, is when um, Moraine says, uh, step in strong, he'll, he'll carry her ring to the tower. And I'm just like, Moraine knows that mm-hmm. that's all he's going to do. You know, mm-hmm. like she knows, she knows exactly what's going to happen. She knows that um, he's going to just, yeah. So that's kind of. That's an interesting read on Moraine. And I'm excited to talk about that, especially when we get into um, the scene with her and Alana in Moraine's room. Mm. Um, so we'll we'll circle back to that. Uh yeah, I think I agree. Oh, I don't know. This is such a this is a tough episode for me. There are I like a lot of things that happen in this I was episode. Gonna, I was just about to say there are things in this episode that I really, really love. Um, like speaking of getting emotional, the scene with Nynaeve and Rand, I know it's different than what is said on paper in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, but the spirit of what happens is the same. And that segue into Nynaeve's discussion with Rand about how or Egwene doesn't break, segueing into Egwene and Perrin's escape from the White Cloak camp. Mm-hmm. Um, tears. It mm-hmm. It's so, like, Egwene, uh, I think, is a pretty high-ranking character for all of us here uh, throughout the series. I know Chance, she's uh, she's your number one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yes. Uh, it, I just it, can't uh, believe she stabbed a child in the back, though. <laughs> Oh, howdy, Gwen. It's more the upper shoulder kind of. You know. I can't believe she didn't stab him twice. Double tap, yeah. yeah. oh my god! Finish him. Yeah, seriously. Um. So yeah, I'm. I'm hopeful that today, as we go through, I, I leave this episode liking it more than when we arrived. <laughs> but we'll see. Um. So this cold. So. Uh, the plots that we've got are kind of Moraine, Nynaeve, which then diverges a bit. The warders are like their own little subplot because we get some like cute little warder moments together. Mm. Um, Rand and Matt, obviously, and then Perrin and Egwene. Um, 
I'd like to finish with Perrin and Aglade, which uh, has not been said before on this podcast. <laughs> Nor will it again. Nor will it again. This is a once yeah, in a their, season their event. Duo comes to an end after this episode, right? Where they, <laughs> they make it finally to uh, Tarvalon. Tarvalon. Um, so why don't we why don't we start with Moraine and Nynaeve, just because it is kind of a nice segue. Uh, but mm-hmm. we'll do the cold open, which is Karene's funeral. Um, and yeah. not just Karene's, of course, everyone who lost their lives. Um, and they are buried in the borderland tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can see the white uh, being symbolic, of course, of the funeral at that when they're all laid out in the ground, covered effectively just with a white sheet mm-hmm. um, and a dirge. Like there's there is some singing, um, but it is a silent cold open in terms of dialogue, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was really powerful. Um, our director is Sally Richardson Whitfield for episodes five and six. Uh, I liked the approach to the cold open in terms of where it falls in my rankings, just because we we did kind of it's not it's not a cold, cold open. It's a yeah, but it's, it is snowing. But it is a it is a wintry <laughs> cold open. Um but it I don't know like I, you could have put that after the credits and it would have hit the same for me. So in terms of cold mm. opens as, as that category, probably pretty low on my list. Yeah. I, I, I actually, before I watched it, I was struggling to remember what the cold open was for this yes. episode. <laughs> like, I was like, what? And then I watched it. Oh, it's just the episode. Like it's part of the episode. Right. Yeah. Right. It was, it was all encapsulated, which was fine. It, it flowed very yeah. nicely. And it also, because the ending of uh, episode four was so dramatic in some ways, it, it kind of brought you back into what was there. And so you take yourself back um, a year and you realize that you've had to wait a week for the the differences between the two. And I thought it was, it was very touching. I do have one question about the open though. What happens to the stone? So when um, he, when uh, Stepan, first takes the ring off her finger, the green stone is in it. When he puts it around mm-hmm. his neck, it's gone. So I, and then it's never there again. So when he throws it into the gold thing later during the ceremony, very Lord of the Rings-ish, uh, mm-hmm. nice job, step golem. Uh, there is no stone. So I, I, I didn't know what happened to the stone. It just became the gold frame pretty quickly. I don't know if that was just a. I think it's a continuity mistake because I noticed okay. several others. I th- I thought that he did something to it. Like I, I didn't assumed, see it. Yeah, I assumed that he removed it though. Like the stone is personal to the Aes Sedai, so I assumed it was buried with her. I assumed that as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes yeah, sense. That makes only, sense. It's only I the it gold that needs to be returned but to I the tower. I just couldn't see what happened to the stone. It yeah. was, and I think maybe like you you said, since it's a continuity issue, just a a boo boo in the film. I would have yeah. liked to have seen it on Karene when. Mm. Yeah, go back and watch the opening. If they pan back, if you see a little green ball, the number of times I have (laughs) (laughs) zoom and enhance, baby, zoom and enhance, (laughs) enhance, enhance. (laughs) Um, yeah, I uh, I don't know if there's that much more that needs to be said about the cold open. Um, Atlanta, you you love your Atlanta. That was her only scene in the whole thing, and she was doing a chant, isn't it? No, then we got two scenes, and one is very important with boots. Oh, sorry, yeah, Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, with the I have have a lot to say about those boots. We got a lot to talk about with respect to boots and etiquette, especially with three Canadians here, yes, (laughs) exactly. But, um, there is a braid tug in the cold open. 
Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, of course. Can I put on the news music? Braid watch. Braid watch. It's not really a tug. We haven't really gotten a full tug in season one, but she sort of, I was about to use the word fondle, and that seems wrong. She does something to her braid. Caress? Can we say caress instead of fondle? Every word I'm thinking of is bad. She gropes it. (laughs) It was tug adjacent. It was tug adjacent. She does something tug adjacent. She comforts herself with like the feeling of home. You're never alone. You come back to that. And she just gives herself a subtle tug to remind her. Okay, I have no idea what the hell that means, but thanks for <laughs> making a highlight. So for the rest of the episodes, I'm going to watch braid tugs, braid yes. groups, see how often that she braid. fondles her braid. braid. Yeah. Yeah. Every petting. word I was thinking, she she fondles it, she gropes it, she fingers it, she caresses it. Braid <laughs> molestation yes. ensued. She Tell me you're a lesbian without telling me you're a lesbian. <laughs> she fingers her braid, really? <laughs> I'm going to look at people with braids in a whole different manner now. And it's got nothing to do with what they're like at all. I'm just going to look at, what do you do with your braid? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> that's that's not how it works. I just letting you know, this is not. This is oh. not how. <laughs> that's not a broad interpretation of braid handling. No. Okay, just, just for the show. Okay. Yeah. Oh God. The euphemisms. It's too early for this shit. <laughs> no, it's not. It's like 11 o'clock at night. What are you talking about? Uh, all right. So after the cold open, we get the great credits. Yay. Never skip. Never I never skip. skip. I love the credits. Yeah. yeah. It's so I, soothing. It was Do we have to shame you? Great. I skipped the I, I skipped the credits. I skipped the credits on the Rings of Power too. I mean, I skipped the credits on Rings of Power. Yeah. The Rings of Power credits are kind of boring. Yeah. No, they're gorgeous. Beautiful. I I never even looked for a I never looked for a skip at uh, credit button. Whereas with Rings of Power, I didn't have one half the time. I was like, where's my skip button? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love the tapestry and and all of that, but Mm. like I actually really like the music too. The music is good. Everything is, yeah. The music in oh, that's a I mean, this is not really specific to episode five, but like I I've done reactions to a couple of shows since watching Wheel of Time. And so I have headphones on. I'm listening to paying a lot more attention. Wheel of Time score has knocked all of them out of the park. Like it, the music is every other show, like even Rings of Power. I was like, this music's nice. Um, I believe it, it it slaps as as the kids say. Yes. Yes. Yep. (laughs) I'm I'm a zoomer. (laughs) It's, it's lit. It's totally lit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, Chance, you are blending in with the Gen know, Z. Right? It, it yes. slays as yes. It's <laughs> it slays go. queens. I think it slays queens. Yes, it's yeah. totally slays okay, queens. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, something like yeah. that. Yes, yeah, the yeah. queens. The queens are dead. Yes. it's actually what killed Elizabeth. Yeah, oh. poor thing. Wow. Lauren Balfe killed Elizabeth. Is this what it, you're saying? You, you heard, heard it here first. <laughs> Coincidence? Mountain, I do not. The breaking <laughs> news outlet. No, yes. Not that it's a measure of real success or capability, but was it nominated for Emmys for the sound for the score? I don't remember. I, I actually don't know. I, I don't, never I don't pay think, attention to anything yeah. like that. But, but I don't think it, it was a nominated for anything. To be honest, mm-hmm. I didn't hear about anything. I'm pretty wow. sure we would have heard. Uh, the, yeah, the fandom would have collectively lost their shit, and no yeah. shit was lost. Yeah, all of the shit was 
safely stored. Yes. <laughs> Everyone safely uh, evacuated their bowels. Okay. <laughs> Please continue. Uh, so <laughs> one month later, I didn't. Love I hated that, it was that on Chiron. The... I hated that Chiron. <laughs> Why was it on the screen? I think. Why didn't you just thought... tell me? They did. That's the thing. It's in the dialogue. They talk mm. about how it's been a month and blah, blah, blah. But I think <sighs> they didn't trust us to pick up on it. They do I mean, that a few times in the show where they beat it over you. Like if they really want you to get a point, they they say it, they repeat it. They yeah. Film like it, that, they put words. Yeah. By the way, this is too- Mordor. Yeah, Mordor. Yeah, Mordor. Yeah, that though that <laughs> rings of power. When Don't even talk to me about that cut over. That was my no, thank that was you. my thorn. I, that was my thorn of the whole season, and it was a I great season out, except for that. I burst thing. out laughing while watching at that moment. I couldn't have help it. But uh, um, they've changed the actor for Adar. Oh, oh yeah, rings of power news. Did you see that? Sorry. Wait, no. who? Which one's Adar? Who's Adar? The, he was the dude elf. that was the Mordor guy. He was yeah. the bad elf. Yeah, the evil elf. Um, oh, uh, Benjamin Stark, that yes. actor. Oh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> they changed him. Yes, he, yeah. he stepped away. He oh, stepped so away. I think he probably has another project or something that I don't know. Who's to say? Yeah. Who's to say? He just yeah. basically said he loved his time there. Well, that's um, another show. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. totally different show. But that that Chiron, honestly, like the the smell off of that is like studio note. Some somebody watching, like somebody in the studio was like. Wait, how long was it? And then, oh, you got to write it on screen because I couldn't figure it out. And everybody watching the show is as dumb as me. That's what, like, that's what that felt like to me. And as it soon really as Matt did. comes on screen with Rand, well, you know, it's been a month of this. And I would like a nice warm bed. So yeah, yeah. they it's could right have just there. left that. Like it's, it's in so the dialogue. Easy. It's, it's in, in the, the dialogue. dialogue. And considering, uh, sir, enough. Um, considering that. Uh, it's the only time in the, sh- the other entire season yeah. that it happened. Like if they had done this mm-hmm. from episode one on, I'd be like, well, this is, you know, I guess the this format. is what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but to just do it in one episode and be like, hello, dumbasses. Yes. It's been a month. We yeah. skipped a lot of shit. It's like if you bring suddenly, you this. Yeah. It's like if you suddenly have a narrator, like if in the middle of it, like a narrator's voice, one month later, like that's what it feels like. But don't you think it was a, a little thing to the the avid book readers who you know you don't keep on doing repeat going into towns, you don't keep on doing repeat with the the wolf interactions. You're not going to Elias kids, by the way. Yeah. You're not going to get any Elias, and there was some other stuff that gets obviously avoided by doing that. Wasn't that a nod out to the readers saying we're moving on, we're getting the tarvel on because tick tick tick, I got a thing that I got to do. We got an itinerary. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it was just a way of like putting it on screen. Hey, everyone, shut the fuck up. It's been a month. Go read shut the, the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Isn't always taken well, even on, you know, streaming services. So there you yeah. go. I would yeah. have appreciated the honesty of shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would have appreciated that more than one month later, but that's uh, not. <laughs> but we're here. You know yeah, what? I yeah, think yeah. it's. I think it's safe to say we know where a couple of our thorns are going to be <laughs> for this episode. Yeah. Um. So one month later, uh, when we get a great moment between Moraine and Land, they talk about, mm-hmm. um, uh, Stepan and his strength. But before that, we see Karene's boots are turned backwards in her saddle. Yes. Um, which is, I don't know what culture that's based on in the real world, if someone can fill me I, in, but I 
I think, and I totally, this is probably the worst people to trust, but I'm trusting YouTube commenters on this because I commented on it <laughs> and I got <laughs> several people saying it's a tradition, like it's an American tradition. Okay. The boots are backwards so that the general on their last ride is facing their forces. Like they're facing oh. the people that follow them. Yeah. Nice. I mean, okay. okay. Yeah. I so believe like- you because I believe all YouTube commenters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is a good way to live your life. (laughs) (laughs) Take what they say at face value. That's what they always say about YouTube commenters. It's how I make all my financial decisions. Oh, dear Lord. (laughs) Bitcoin. Invest in Bitcoin. What could go wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, the the quote that you'd pulled up um, earlier, Jenny, stood out to me. Steppen's a strong man. He'll deliver her ring to the tower. Um, they talk, uh, I really liked the, um, conversation as well about the other four, you know, like if we go to Tarvalon and they're there, they're already in the city, we'll find them. Mm -hmm. If they're not in the city, we'll We'll find find them one way or another. Moraine is going to find these other four potential dragons, um, and I just like that little like mission statement to request was was thrown in there for us. Um, they arrive in the city. Nynaeve gets housed in the warders' quarters, which was like fun because we never see them in the book. So that's okay. This this is a good thing from the episode. A little water quarter action. Um, uh, conversation. Warder between... quarters is very hard to say. By the way, I was going to say it's very difficult to say. <laughs> Warders quarters. We pulled the same reference out. Yeah. The rural juror living in the warders quarters. <laughs> rural juror from Mordor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we get a conversation between Nynaeve and Moraine. I have eyes and ears watching at every gate. I love that scene. That is one of my favorite scenes. It is, to me, that is, uh, it's a replacement for one of my favorite scenes in Eye of the World, which is the conversation with Maureen and Nynaeve from Eye of the World, where like, she's like, hey, you can channel. And Nynaeve's like, no, I can't. And she's, and (laughs) Maureen's like, I got proof. And Nynaeve's like, oh, fuck. Like, that's pretty much that whole conversation. They have, like, that's, this is the replacement for that. And it's, I, I love the dynamic between them in the show because a lot of people, my interpretation of who Nynaeve is, is that she's her, a lot of her bravado is a front Like she's incredibly yes. insecure, but it's a front. A lot of people disagree with me on that and it's fine. Idiots. But I, idiots okay. disagree. Some idiots well, disagree. I would say based on the body language and the way the actor portrayed it mm-hmm. and the, way the director gave them it was she definitely had some insecurity that, that yeah. came out to me as she was talking that she's you know i'm just going to be all bullish and stuff but i really don't know what the hell's going on yeah and I, that's it delights me in the show because obviously like rafe and zoe and sarah Nock, everybody involved in writing the show agrees with my interpretation of my favorite character which is great because everything that she does i'm i'm loving i i love specifically that it's Moraine who can put her on her back foot so quickly like you see her stand up to other people and Moraine opens her mouth and I shrivels into like nothing every did, single time did you see a little bit of warmth between Nynaeve from Nynaeve towards Moraine when she was talking about the first time she touched the power and I know what mm-hmm. it's like and 
But I mean, later on, she kind of backtracks on it when she's talking with Rand and when they she gets connected with Mand and Rad, she, or it, <laughs> Matt and Rand. Um, Mand and Rad is good, honestly. Yeah, yeah I think we should Mand change it to Mand and Rad. Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's I'm going to go with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah between um, Rand and Matt, and, and she's like, we don't need those damned eyes to die. And probably mm-hmm. because she gets her power is taken away to some degree when, when Moraine's around in particular, right? Yeah. Because Moraine understands what she's got. Yeah. But uh, I did, I just felt a bit of warmth when they were going through that scene too, from Nynaeve. Well, so. I, my interpretation of the relationship between them is that it's not hate. It's like, it's that Moraine makes her feel insecure. And if she, if, if Nynaeve could, realize that i i, I don't i think i need thinks she hates moraine but i don't think she does like she, she wants thinks she to does. hate moraine she wants to right but she yeah. can't and it's it but she wants to hate her because moraine makes her feel things that she doesn't want to feel and moraine and also has what she wants moraine has what she wants yeah and which is not like everybody's gonna say it's len which is true but i also think moraine had like commands respect really easily and Nynaeve wants that, wants that so desperately. And she has had to fight for that. And like Moraine is literally everything Nynaeve wants to be. And from Nynaeve's perspective, Moraine doesn't have to try. But Moraine just looks like it's it just mm. happens. And, and Moraine so. treats Nynaeve like a child mm-hmm. because in Moraine's eyes, Nynaeve She's is a, a child. child. <laughs> She's a child. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which no. like it's it cracks me it, in the books. It's literally the first word she says to her is child. And like that is Nynaeve's sensitive. Yeah, point. that's her kryptonite. She's like, <laughs> yeah. what did you call me? Yeah. It's like yeah, a Marty McFly like a little... and chicken. <laughs> <laughs> we got a little bit of that in like episode one, mm-hmm. where you know, uh, Moraine underestimates Nynaeve's age by a few years, and Nynaeve yeah. gets like, Ooh, I'm, I'm twinkly now. <laughs> Like, you, I'm 25. I'm I'm all grown up. I'm 25. <laughs> Sorry. That just sounds like such an infant to me now. <laughs> My age. Uh, to any of our 25-year-old. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. I'm exactly. 20. Oh, well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Lesbian flirting with your dad. How's that? Really, really Wouldn't comfortable be the first for time. me. really love this everything that's happening so naive um so she yeah we get that great conversation between her and moraine you reached out and you touched the source you saw how small you are in comparison Mm -hmm. to it um how how you fit into the world and then you know the questions posed how do you fit into the world like this how do you get back to being who you were the answer my girl is you don't you're mm-hmm. different you're changed everything's like everything has changed yeah. so get I love used that to line it. Yeah. yeah the answer is no <laughs> things yeah. will never be the same yeah. yeah uh and then from there that's kind of our all we get of moraine and nynaeve uh Stepan comes uh knocking on the door to get some more goat's tongue from nynaeve mm-hmm. Uh, to help with sleeping, he seems a little bit drunk. They have a conversation about um, pain and how that's basically all he has left of Karene. And Nynaeve's like, don't worry, it'll never go away. You'll yeah. always have a piece of her because yeah. uh, pain is forever. Um, then Nynaeve goes wandering. And can, can again, I just oh, yeah. Say, point out something from like, I don't know how I had missed 
this. Like, I, I don't know that I missed it, but in the final scene, I'm jumping ahead, but this watching this scene made me realize something from the final scene that I'd missed, where you see Nynaeve crying during the final scene. And I and I do think this is true, had interpreted that as, oh, she's grieving because Lan is grieving, but she'd also been taking care of Stepan for a month. Like she's like she's all Stepan's her friend. And her friend who's been really, really sad for a month. And Nynaeve is a caretaker. Like that's. She failed him. She failed him. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't Mm. I think of that? Ah, damn it. I hate that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I love it, but I hate that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's one one thing that the jumping head a month kind of takes away from the show is how Nynaeve's relationship with other warders go. I mean, Mm -hmm. you hear Maureen say, well, you've been at the fire of the warders every night. Yeah. uh, So you must hear stuff. But other than that, you don't really get the appreciation of how close she became to some of them. And I'm sure, like you said, with Nynaeve being a caretaker, Stepan needs a lot of caretaking. So makes sense. Yeah. Like when he comes to her, like she knows exactly what he's there for. So obviously this is not the first time she's given him the goat's tongue and they've talked about grief. Like she's been looking after him all this time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like, I missed it until like this rewatch. I was like, Oh, 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 Oh. (laughs) those tears at the end. It's not just (laughs) my boyfriend sad. Like, no, it's, yeah. Like it's, I'm actually really, really sad. Are you trying to suggest that there's layers to these TV show <gasps> characters? What? How dare? Yeah. How dare? Um. So yeah, from from that relationship, we go into the relationship between Nynaeve and Leandrin, which is a standout moment for me. I persimmons. The persimmons mm. are in season. Mm. <laughs> I love Leandrin. The memes that this created, like (laughs) this set the internet on fire. Fire. Oh my God. Show Leandrin is so much better than book Leandrin. So much better. It's everything. I I hate book Leandrin. I I don't, I don't want to say I like, like as a person, as a human, if you put me in the world of Wheel of the Time, I don't think Leandrin is a good person. She doesn't seem like a person I want to be. Yeah, she's a snake. That that woman's a snake, <laughs> my naive would say. But I want to know everything about her. Everything. everything. <laughs> like, give me all of the backstory, please. Every, well, she's a meanie head. Um, <laughs> what else? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like the even like the little bit of it's not even exposition. It's just yeah. a glimpse into her background because, of course, naive is going to approach her with reds don't have warders. No, never. Because you hate men, like yeah. which Barbara, is what a great, what a great <laughs> facial expression that sh- that um, the actress put on that does. I hate the, Fleetwood, and she's just... like, you you know that some shit happened to her mm-hmm. as a child or as a younger adult that mm-hmm. has driven her this way, and it was just just in the eyes, just in the face. It was yeah. just so good, just so good. And like hate this motherfucking quote, Fleetwood. Like, oh my god, mm-hmm. Kate motherfucking Fleetwood. Like this. Women and like she doesn't even deign to respond to because mm. you hate men. All yeah. she says is women mm. hold the one power, but men still control much of this world. Mm-hmm. And they rare they are rarely kind to little girls who show a spark of being greater than they are. Yeah. That is a great line. It is Holy such a good line. Shit. Mm-hmm. You guys are all reacting. I don't get it. 
<laughs> but it, it patriarchy. Totally, yes, <laughs> the patriarchy. But it, like I, I had this, the patriarchy. I've had this debate so many times with people who insist that the books are like it's a feminist world, and even like the book that just came out talked about how Robert Jordan was trying to flip it, and if he was, he, I think he didn't. It's, it's still, not a one for one though. And no, it's that's, yeah, yeah. But he still wrote a world in which men won't be in relationships with women who are more powerful than them. Well, that wouldn't exist if it was a matriarchy because in the patriarchy, women are happy to be in relationships with, with men who are more powerful. If it was a matriarchy, then men would be happy to do that too. But it's not like, it's not a simple binary, you know, it's not. A, yeah. And he like in this line answer, like it's saying, yeah, no, it's not, it's not a matriarchy. If you're watching the show and you think it is, then Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. a world where women hold power. Absolutely. But how yeah. does that play into a gendered society, a society, well, especially with the source that is still very still much gendered, male, yeah. female and very gendered? Mm-hmm. Well, and look at the white cloaks like there's no yeah. corollary to the white cloaks in the real world. Uh, no. a society <laughs> of women who go around. Bullying and harassing men. I mean, I'm sure a lot of uh, internet YouTube commenters would feel very differently about like whether or not such a society exists. But don't you don't you think that they're just a representation of a Ku Klux Klan type person? The um, I mean, it's pretty direct, right? Now that's more of a racial thing, white Um, superiority. Actually, better to say white superiority as opposed to just pure race. But it's um, I don't know. Certainly back in the day, mm. uh, that it was a man woman thing when they were at their peak. Now it's just a tribal thing. It's a very different thing. But back in the days of lynchings and other fun activities, Mm. I don't think it was a man woman thing. I think it was white men in white cloaks with white hoods that went around and did things. And I could be historians may come back and and correct me, but uh, that's certainly the perspective I have. But that might be laid on top of me from books in Hollywood. So I'm sure that in the books and the source material, um, that was one of the inspirations for the white cloaks. But I think one of them. But I think that it's largely like a uh, kind of a catch all for all sort of uh, like crystallized, calcified Older structures, yeah. churches, zealotry, right-wing Christian. Yeah, like the, yeah night temple. It doesn't Templar. have to be Christian, by the way. It can Ooh. be Muslim. It can be others too, yeah. right? I mean, like, like if you take the jihadist type Muslim, which mm-hmm. is what, like two percent of one percent. I don't even know what it is. It's a very big it, minority. Um, they. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they have that same "we're right, you're wrong." Let's suppress yeah. the people that don't well, agree with yeah. this kind of person. Yeah, right? I like, think we're the on the side of you know goodness itself. Right. Yeah. 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 The inspirations I think are like explicitly that from his notes are like explicitly like Knights Templar and the KKK like thrown together. Oh man, I'm a big Templar fan. Don't 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 corrupt the Templars. <laughs> they to were me. Oh, they were man. bad. They were so well, they, so bad. They, they, they created banking. I think that was really important. Okay. Well, let's give them a pass. <laughs> Nothing evil has ever come from banking. <laughs> ever. <laughs> ever. Do not rewind to 2008. Yes. <laughs> Not in my country. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. It's it's not a true matriarchy um, because I don't know how no. that world could even be imagined within the world of Robert Jordan. Mm-hmm. It, Rafe is certainly making strides to show women actually in positions of power. So we see that with Illa, right? It's not Illa deferring to Rain in the show. It's Illa just being in charge. And that's mm-hmm. totally fine. It's 
Illa's caravan. Yeah. Um, we see that obviously with the Aes Sedai holding that power within the world. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll continue to see women just simply existing and holding power. Um, I, I think it's a balance. I do think it's he's trying, Rafe's trying to balance uh, because, you know, kings are still kings. I haven't met a queen mm -hmm. yet in the other lands. No, you um, haven't. Yeah. And uh, uh, the the male power of the dragon is it shines the female power of the Aes Sedai. Well, we don't know Should, it's a male dragon, though. Uh, true, although you pretty much suspect it because the false dragons you've seen so far, other than the the visual image Alusha. of that ghostly character. Thank you. Mm. Uh, Lucia, in the prior cold open on episode four, uh, you haven't really had reference to a female other than that kind of subtle one, uh, mm -hmm. false dragon or dragon. So you, as a watcher, and I'm thinking that it, the dragon's a male. Okay. Otherwise, it could be dragonette. Interesting. <laughs> it's Especially a, musical, like, uh, <laughs> a musical group from Montreal. But anyway. <laughs> you can find them on Apple Music. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, so we get that that great scene between Leandrin and Nynaeve. We're approaching another thorn of mine because Leandrin says, go to the gardens, go there. You'll mm -hmm. go through here. You'll go to the library, walk through the library, go to the gardens. The persimmons are in season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She does Remember last episode I was saying Matt sniffed a lot? Yeah. Uh, well, Leandrin does, um, well, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm. Um, mm. well mm. she does that a lot that's her that's her yeah, tell her when tip, she's telling yeah. you something important um she does that mm. little pause mm. <laughs> yes um but yes we don't get Nynaeve in the gardens with the persimmons and more importantly with Voyal yeah. and that was the question that I really wanted to ask Rafe about episode five why was the scene with Loyal and Nynaeve in the gardens not included because you know they filmed it. You know, at, or at least if it wasn't filmed, it was like end Written. script. Like it was yeah. right in there because why have a line about persimmons? Oh, drove me nuts. I <laughs> well, because the transition I have... is confusing. Like there are people yes. who were confused about the transition between the two. Like I can, I filled it in, but yeah. I filled it in like after I was like, they uh, should have had something on okay. the screen that said Nynaeve <laughs> goes to the to the garden and meets Loyal, you know, like that would have helped me. Really? As yeah, yeah. From yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so anyway, we don't get that. Um, the next scene uh, in, in these two, these two characters, uh, Leanne and Moraine, we get them in the tower. We see a couple novices walking by. <laughs> we get some weird sexual tension we get hair being pushed out of the face a face sweet touch. caress along the cheek what and moraine does fuck? not pull away or no, look, she, does she does not recoil does not. i want to know everything about this story everything <laughs> every detail please she literally says you look a little worse for wear too and mm. caresses her, her cheek her face yeah, the memes yeah, I, like well, I the gifts I the memes I saw after this was like there is no heterosexual explanation for this at all. And can, can I talk? Yeah, can I talk? But a then they little... explore it further, right? I think I, don't, I can't remember if it's seven or six or eight. I, I haven't well, rewatched those episodes yet, but they yeah. explore that later, obviously with the Emerald and Seat. But I was just going to oh, say, but not just... about Leandrin and Moraine, which yeah, I'm yeah. Not, no, like, but don't it, give me Suwan right now. To me, it's right just now. like the Aes Sedai have physical 
interaction, whether you're male or female, they don't care. They just yeah, love yeah. people. To me, it was more of a I, human gesture. And yeah, okay, Leandrin and Murray. It's, it's a sexual gesture, though. Yeah, it's a sexual they are not touchy feely people. I said I am no, 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 not. I meant physical, but I, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, sexually physical. Jeez, yeah. man, I, I have to well, hit you on the head with it. With it. Well, because <laughs> it's not a hug. A hug is not. But this touch, no, like that was an will, intimate gesture. It was an sure. intimate gesture, and it actually, like, if I can jump ahead to next episode just a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. On the they've pre- all been aired, so yes. Yeah, yeah. In the previously for the next episode, they showed that face touch. And so my brain went, gay. This episode's going to be gay because there's no reason to show the face touch if the episode isn't gay. So when the episode <laughs> starts. It's a gay see, episode. Is this yes. <laughs> I interpreted everything that was happening in that first scene through my gay lenses and so, like, you see Moraine standing there watching Swan come in and her shoulders are moving ever so slightly. My brain was like, she's so horny because her girlfriend looks like her girlfriend looks really, really good. That's how I interpreted that entire scene. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's, that's a good reading of the scene. <laughs> yes. Like, when Moraine can't think of, like, how to game of houses her answer, I was like, yeah, you can't. When your pants are on fire, you can't think of a good lie. Like, when she's just... got those pants feels after two years apart. Two yeah. years. Two years. I Two mean, years. Swan was looking pretty amazing. Really, really good. And like I, everything. I was able to watch that episode in person with Grendel. And I just remember her going, yes, yes, they're going to do it. Yes. <laughs> so we are. I think most of us yeah. had that. Yeah. yeah. I had no clue. Remember, I had, I'm watching it going, okay. I know. <laughs> but like, for me, it was like. There is no reason to show that. There is no heterosexual. There is no heterosexual in the previously, unless why are you showing two ladies touching each other? Oh, because two ladies are going to touch each other. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, there was no plausible. I also want to tell you every old guy watching the show was saying the exact same thing. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Anyway, okay, uh, back to episode five. <laughs> back to episode five. So we get, yes, great scene between Leandrin and Moraine, which also goes into the power dynamics of the tower. Uh, mm. because from that we get the scene between Moraine and Alana. And Alana mm. just clarifies the White Tower politicking, which yes. is Leandrin's getting stronger. Um, she thinks that Suan is an enemy of Moraine, which I love, and mm. that Moraine is truly one of two eyes to die in the tower that can basically unseat the Amerlin seat. And she says that, like mm-hmm. that this is very much her and Leandrin. So we've just come on like on the heels of Leandrin and Moraine, these two powerhouse women in the tower. We then come back and get a, a little bit, a little bit of exposition from Alana in mm-hmm. what I thought was a relatively seamless way because it's yeah. just Alana. Priyanka Bose can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. No, she's, um, she's perfect. The way, again, she plays every part of this. So dad, I told you last episode to really watch what Alana does behind the scenes. Um, is, the, because is the fact that she and Moraine shared a peach anywhere symbolic? It's a persimmon. It's a persimmon. Because they're in season. They're in season. It's a persimmon. I had no idea that was a fucking persimmon. I just, I don't even know what a persimmon is. It now looks you like know. a tomato, but it's kind of orange. They're very popular I've never had a, a persimmon, persimmon. Now I kind mm. of want to. Hmm. Oh, right. They're in season. So, I mean, they're not in season in Korea right now. So <laughs> I don't know when the season is in Canada. Okay. I will hazard a guess and say never. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But we'll see. Maybe it grows in minus 30 degrees Celsius. You who's, never know. Who's to say? <laughs> um, but the 
she's eating the percent. And that's why Alana, everything she does is so intentional um, with her actions. So she's eating mm. this persimmon. Um, she's obviously snacking. She's made herself comfortable on Moraine's bed. She's more comfortable taken off than her barefoot. Yeah. She's yes, she's taken off her boots to lay on the bed as one should. What does Moraine do? Moraine, who says she's more at home in her boots than anywhere else, she gets onto her bed with her with her boots. boots. She's been horseback riding. She's been horseback she's been riding in Shadar Logoth with those filthy fucking boots. She didn't clean them. She just jumps on her bed. Happy as what Sidar it, is. It's for. her bed. She's allowed to. Disgusting. She's allowed. It's still disgusting. Like, yeah, it's totally, still gross. The, yeah. the first time I watched it, I literally for a, like I, I it took me rewatching it to pay attention to the words because I was just like, what wow, are you doing? What do you, you guys pick what up? Are you doing? Just, <laughs> Dad, you're a Canadian. We do not walk into our houses with shoes on boots. here. And like, let alone your bedroom with boots yeah, but on? she's in a castle boots. with cold floors of course she's gonna have to keep her her, her foot Al- her footwear on alana doesn't i didn't alana, care alana walked out of the room barefoot she carrying, her boots. On, carrying her boots like a human wow <laughs> it's bizarre <laughs> the white tower needs more bunny slippers yeah it really does like i even people were like oh jenny you must have loved that scene with like maureen and alana in bed like too pretty i'm like Nothing was no. gonna happen because Maureen had her boots on. <laughs> what the hell? It's not what does sexy. Shania Twain say? Whose, Whose bed, bed have, have your boots, boots been, been under? Under. Under. You take under. off your boots, you put them under the bed. Another Shania Robert. Wait, wow. <laughs> A poet for the ages. Uh, indeed. Anyway. Yeah, and I, I have that very, very firmly in my notes. Alana bootless. In Moraine's bed, Moraine still has hers on. Moraine booted. Booted. And it is yes. not okay. Okay. But if you were talking about the subtle things that Alana does behind the scenes, mm-hmm. watching of Moraine, by, like there's a second where Alana says the Amarlin's coming back tomorrow. And as Alana's turning her head, there's a flash of expression on Moraine's face of just like, oh. And then she, she, like, it's, she catches it like just as Alana turns to her. So, but if yeah. you're watching her, you see her go, oh, my yeah. girlfriend's coming. Like, yeah, like it's, it's awesome. It's amazing. She has summoned us. Heck mm. yeah, she has. Yeah. See you soon, baby. Also love that the second Alana leaves the room, she's like, booty call. <laughs> the booty call. <laughs> like she doesn't wait a second. The booty cabinet. <laughs> yes. The booty cabinet. <laughs> what did they, so we found out this week from Rafe that, yeah. um, that, the Tyrangriel that she opens. So we've been calling it as a fandom, the Love Shack Tyrangriel, mm-hmm. because you can walk through it and then there's the Love Shack. Love Shack. Mm-hmm. Rafe let us know that that is called the FFH by the writers. Yeah. So uh, there have been some guesses as to what that means. Uh, my favorite is Fantasy Fuck Cut. That's what I was, I, I was going to say Fantasy Fuck House. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. Um, I but, like Love Shack Tyrangriel better to be perfectly honest, but it's cute. Yeah. Fantasy. Far away fornication hut. <laughs> yes. I was thinking too. Like I was so pure in my initial thought. I was like, oh, it was around the time that, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home came out. So it was, <laughs> it was far, far from, from home. home. No. <laughs> when no. they were writing it. But no, it's definitely no. fantasy fuck hut. Mm-hmm. 
so love Shaq Tarangriel, but that's next episode. But yes, yeah, yeah, I yeah. did like the moment that we see because in episode five, we have no idea no what idea. it is. Yeah. No. So we just see yeah, Moraine. And I had forgotten about that it. stuff. But, yeah. yeah. I was looking I just, for movement. Oh, yeah. I, I, know. Just, I love that like, it's immediate. Like it's just. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. But to me, it had a Harry Potter, not Harry Potter from the books because it doesn't come across so much, but Harry Potter from the movies where they have a the, mm. the painting the of the woman. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. It reminded me yeah. of that. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, and then, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I, literally, that's the last time we see Moraine is just like, except for the end. Um, but her looking at that sexy Terangriel and being There's like, one other my scene. girlfriend's back and there's gonna <laughs> be trouble. There is one other Moraine scene. Uh, the one at the so, end? No, there's one or... with her and Land where they just sit and stare at each other. Holding hands. <laughs> yeah. Right, because she, they're right. comforting yes. each other You're with right. Stefan's yeah. death. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. after the chant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I think it's before. before. It's before. That's before how the chant, chant ends. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think um, it's after Land talks to Stepan and he's like, you know, that's right. lose Moraine and yeah. tell me how quickly you mm-hmm. can find another can, woman or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we, yeah, mm-hmm. we see the vulnerable side of them where they just mm-hmm. kind the softer of side of Land mm-hmm. grip and grip and stare because they can they know a lot without saying many oh. words. Again, imagine their dinner conversations. <laughs> um, I love that the the shade. Like uh, I loved the interplay between Corinne and Stefan mm-hmm. in, yeah. in their episode together. Like I loved the power dynamics. How they were just very. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that was last episode, but like you know, I think that's why for me the whole Corinne and Stefan stuff was so so worth it for me because like we got pieces of yeah. you know culture through mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I mean, from there, let's segue into uh, Warder Chat, because we come one of uh, a great scene, I thought, from this episode is the Warders all together um, when they're dressing Stepan so that he can in white so that he can go mm-hmm. put the ring to rest in the tower. Um, and they're having a chat about, you know, their little daddy issues. Uh, and Stepan chimes in on how Karane basically saved mm-hmm. him when he was a shitbag of a human um, <laughs> and they met in a bar and I yeah. love that so just a little bit more about how their relationship was very much built on friendship first mm-hmm. and um, well that's how know, most af- adventuring parties come together <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah in a bar friendship first and it took a bit before she asked him to be her warder um, and uh, yeah, when he was an angry young man with a death wish. Uh, and I I just loved uh, Maxime's interruption to that, which was, you know, my dad tried to kill me when I was five. So See, I found that, stop like, your whining. Yeah, I honestly found that line a bit distracting. Like, it's interesting, but I was like, why? Why? What happened? Like, Whoa. This isn't about you, Maxime. <laughs> I <know>. Yeah, <laughs> but like, I seriously, my mom's like, what, what is going on? <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, we're going to circle back to that. But yeah, we'll, right now we're talking yeah. about stepping. Yeah. Yeah. See you yeah. in episode, like season two. Hopefully we can explore, um, explore you know, why your dad that. tried to kill you when you were five. What the hell? <laughs> so you guys have all these layers in the show. All it said to me is that the warder, uh, I said, I relationship is a bit more complex and that mm. a lot of the warders have a very fascinating background. We find a bit more about land, I think, in episode seven or eight. Seven. Right? Yeah. So that th- these are very interesting characters behind the scenes. And, you know, based on what I know, Stepan could have been a songwriter and a musician. 
that's what I picked up from that. But mm. that's just me because obviously every songwriter seems to have a torn family home kind of story. Yeah, just, yeah. 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 A gleeman in another life. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it does speak to the warder eyes to die relationship. It does speak to why someone would commit to being a warder because it's mm-hmm. not easy and um, and why they would basically give up all familial connections to serve someone um, and that why they're proud to serve. And it is it was nice. You don't to know that. that you don't know that as a watcher. That at this well, point, they, they give up all familial connections. Well, I, not you that don't I, really... I, didn't, I hadn't picked it up. I I picked it up in this episode. So I'm not saying every warder gives up their family um, because that's never expressly stated in the books or even hinted at. Mm -hmm. We get a lot Mm -hmm. of the warder stuff here, but basically everyone like Maxime is like, yeah, my dad tried to kill me. Um, We find out in episode seven, Lan has, he still has connections, but they're not his parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is, you know, he sees them when he can, but it's not like, that's not their first priority. Family is not first priority to uh-huh. warders. Their Aes Sedai is. So that's what I mean by giving up familial connections. No one is more important than your Aes Sedai. It explores why and who would choose a life like that because it's a big ask, right? Like you mm-hmm. can't, you can't really have a spouse as a warder because they are second to yeah. your Aes Sedai. And what relationship would work built on that premise? Yeah. Um, so yeah, some some great moments. And then after he's dressed uh, in in white, uh, Stepan goes to throw the ring into the fire. Um, mm-hmm. How do we? How did we feel about this melding down of the ring? I was focused on the fact that there were no railings. There's just no railings <laughs> anywhere in the show, and it drives me insane. <laughs> it's just a safety hazard. Welcome to Europe. OSHA. You're on OSHA? your own, man. Yeah, just where OSHA? is Ogiersha? Yeah. Yeah, Ogiersha, please. <laughs> <laughs> just constantly in the show, like there's scenes with everybody just standing on edges of it's marble. The floor is marble. Do you know how slippery that gets when it's wet? It's really, really slippery. It's very dangerous. <laughs> Also, he's suicidal. Yes, let's put him on a high edge with no railing, standing in front of a hot fire. (laughs) I mean, I bet there is a uh, non-zero number of warders who yeeted themselves off of that (laughs) tower. Non-zero, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I want to know how the fire got so hot that it could actually melt gold. It's just a big urn with a big flame in the middle. That does not think. So if you go back to, I I, I was just going to say, imagine it's magic. Magic. Yeah, it's magic. So wizard did it. (laughs) I've seen no wizards. Yes. But I mean, obviously a huge, a huge nod to the Lord of the Rings theme Mm. about melting the gold into thing and all that sort of stuff. But otherwise, I, I thought it was it was a pretty scene. I thought yeah. it was uh, very nice, and it just to me railings would have uh, ruined it, Jenny. <laughs> no, they would not. Have. That was railings. the first thing I thought of. Thank God, there's no railings in the backdrop. Oh my gosh, that I can so much prettier. Distraction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I did like the sim- symbolism of it. Like it, the, you know, it's a wheel, right? Like it, you make the new rings out of the old rings. That's a cycle. It's, I mean, it's a constant, it's a reoccurring theme throughout the series of just. It's literally returning it to the towers that it can be spun out again. Yeah. So I like that. Just like I I, I thought, you know, when I said I died or whatever, that they would just resize the ring if they needed to, or they would find someone whose finger Mm. fit the bill. Uh, I didn't think that they melted it down and recast it to fit the individual. I said I, but it's pretty cool that they do that. Um, and yeah, t- ties into the theme. Um, 
I mean, I like the visual of like when he was holding the ring to mm-hmm. his face. That was in the initial trailer. trailer. Uh, so we got we get that. Uh, eh, it didn't like register any emotional impact for me. So, sorry, but so if it was in the original trailer, did you have any idea it was Steppen? When we, the original trailer think, came out, we did so, know yeah. that it was Peter Franzen. I mean, I mean, again, this is after hours of uh, Dusty <laughs> Wheel. Oh yeah, frame uh, by frame breakdown. No, we had we to watch didn't. a few of those. Yes, no, I, I, yeah. I get that. No, we so, didn't obsess over the trailer and analyze it frame by frame. What frame are you by talking frame. about? Nobody did that. I would. That would be a weird and intense thing to do. What uh, kind yes. of nerd would do something like that? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so yes, we knew well in advance um, that it was Stepan holding the ring. That was Karane's. We noticed that the stone wasn't there. Mm-hmm. We surmised that Karane had died, and Stepan. <laughs> This was part of the ritual. Uh, all like, of this that. This is the problem that known. I had with this episode. Like it, it's not again not a problem with the episode. It was because I'm a book reader and an obsessive nerd. I knew that it was going to happen, so it didn't hit. Like, and there was- were railings, and there were railings in the book. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna now go through. I'm sure that there is mention of railings in the books. Robert Jordan certainly is very the original artwork had them. Because this it was is, probably this drawn is, uh... by an American that wanted to have support, you know, support and safety first, honestly... as opposed to the Europeans that say, fuck it. If you can't stop before you get to the edge, you're on your own. It distracted me so much on several scenes in this show and in Rings of Power when they go into the mines. And what? The dwarves just toppling off the edge constantly. What's happening here? This is not. Oh, you haven't heard of those sure footed dwarves? Yeah, it's very slippery. Anyway, this is Jenny's next video. I've decided is where have all the railings gone? (laughs) An examination from book to show. There's a song parody in there somewhere. I know. I I knew it. I I was like, who's gonna get to this one first? Me or Chance? From there, we get uh, the scene with Stefan and Lan in terms of like warder warder chats uh so stefan and lan warding off the forsaken warder and- cooler chat <laughs> <laughs> which warder is cooler is that where you're going oh, that's good you knew you were getting that from me i mm. i knew i knew what i signed up for when yeah. i invited yeah. you on yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, but we get uh, Graham. This scene probably did not. It probably didn't even register to you as a big deal when he said, "I'm warding off the Forsaken." I can tell you that likely every other book reader, like me, immediately paused the episode, started looking at. There are eight statues. You have to count the statues, <laughs> and then looking at all of them, and that one's trying got boobs. To that one's out. got a guitar. That <laughs> one's got <laughs> yeah. like going not- through who everyone is. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler to say a name. I'm just going to put it out here. Samael's statue is my favorite statue. <laughs> it made me laugh harder than any other one. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll do a little bit of forsaken exposition, not too much, but uh, so in, in the books, there are 13 forsaken that were sealed at the same time um, as like 3000 years ago with uh, the dark one. So they're all sealed away 13 in the books in the show. There are eight statues and whether that's because Stepan retrieved these statues from his mom's place and they were the only thing there, and maybe there are statues missing, that's a possibility. We don't have 
everything. Uh, but what we're running with here is the expectation that, that there will be eight Forsaken, so that some of them are being combined. Samael uh, is not actually a short man, but he has a lot of insecurity when it came to the last dragon. So Luz Theron Telamon was the last dragon 3,000 years ago. He was around, I want to say, 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, yeah, something like that. So he was he was a tall guy, maybe even 6'6". Six, six. Maybe he's Rand's height, book, mm. book heights. Um, he was a tall guy. Samael is probably the average height of a man, 5'10", 5'11". I think he's even taller than that. I think he's like maybe an inch or two shorter than Rand. Like if Rand is 6'2", Samael is like six foot. Yeah. So he's, yeah. he's anyway, not, not short, but always <laughs> like felt that much like inferior. Mm-hmm. When they're doing this pan over the statues, watch it again. They're doing this pan over the statues and all of a sudden it shrinks and there is just a wee statue that is about like dramatically is about four inches shorter than any other statue on that table. They the did way, some male dirty. The way I laughed. It's, it's delightful. It's absolutely delightful because of who Samuel is and because of it's not that. It's funny that he's short. It's funny yep. how Samayo feels about the fact that he's just a little bit shorter than Luce Theron. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's really ridiculous. <laughs> I thought you said no spoilers. I've got no, I've got no, no <laughs> idea of what you're talking about. The only thing I took of that, it was a general ritual that he would do in the prayers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. that because when you, and by the way, when you first said statues, I was actually thinking of the statues in the, the hallway. Tall ones. They oh, didn't spend yeah. much no, no, time no, no, with yeah. Lan in the hallway until he died. And he died mm. in front of those statues. And then I realized it was the figurines that yeah, you're yeah. referring to that yeah, he yeah. was doing the prayers over and wafting yeah. whatever to drug was into. To ward off the forsaken. He mentions yeah. a Shamael. The uh, second warding. name drop for Shamanel. Uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, warding off the Forsaken. Anyway, the reason I say that is because that was one of my biggest takeaways from this episode. And I... It was truly joyous. It was yes. Yeah. Um, definitely an Easter egg for readers. The, oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, like I said, like the pausing, like immediately on Twitter, the zoom and enhance on every individual <laughs> statue. Like, yep. again, we know that there are eight of them. People grab screenshots. We went through, we assessed. I think we basically have figured out who's yeah, going yeah. to be in the show. Well, Brendel uh, was pretty easy. Yeah, she was pretty, <laughs> pretty Brendel easy. was pretty easy to pick mm-hmm. out. Yeah, yeah. So not many people still make offerings to ward off the forsaken is what Lan says to Stefan. So like this, what Stefan is doing is not a common practice. So in terms of show watcher only, that's what we can pick up from this. Uh, And it's kind of fallen out of, um, I don't know, societal norms. Would that be the way to say it? That like a lot of people maybe don't necessarily, not that they don't believe in them, but they don't think that there's anything to fear. So they don't need to, you know, Mm -hmm. perform. It looked like sage that he was burning, which is appropriation on a different level, but he was burning some sage to, to keep them at bay. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a quaint ritual holdover from another age time, Mm -hmm. another time. Yeah. Yeah. It's old fashioned and uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we then we get the scene, the next scene we get of Stepan and Lan is the two of them 
um, sitting down together in Stefan's room, having a great chat over tea where, you know, uh, Stefan says, uh, I've never been with a man, let alone two men, when mm. they're talking about Alana's offer to become another one of her warders. Yeah. Um, and that is, I like that they threw that in there just as an option. Like, you've lost your Aes Sedai, but mm. what if, you know, there was another Aes Sedai? What mm. if there was something else here to fill that void for you? Would it be an option? Um, but some cute banter. Just you I, know, love I love the the line. Like, what makes you think they'd even want you? <laughs> What's that to want? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, I love how seamless that was. It wasn't like he wasn't offended at the idea of mm -hmm. being with a man. He was just saying, I haven't done it. I don't know what it would be like. Mm. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, knock it to you, try it. It was sort of the takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Attitude. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And like both of them, like, you know, clearly these are these are men um mm. who are just able to talk about that without it you know there was no toxic masculinity in yeah. that scene and lamb did not say that he had never been with a man i mean it's lamb who doesn't want to get with lamb <laughs> what's not to want i kind of want to get to get, get with lamb it's the land, fictional character land, of lamb land sexuality yeah it's yeah my my my, seriously, like my my Kinsey scale is like I'm a five point like eight, and that point two is like Lan. That's what that is. That's it. There's one <laughs> exception. Yeah, Lan. There's women, but Lan. But but also Lan. <laughs> but also Lan, who is fictional and not real. So I'm kind of safe. But he's there. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get some great conversations with them, not only about being with men, but about just tell me about the wisdom. Mm -hmm. I loved that. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, love is usually a bad idea. Still, we allow it to happen or this life would be intolerable. And Lan's response, well, I could tolerate a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All these people need so much therapy. So, <laughs> so many much. therapies. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, just, just a really lovely conversation between the two of them and then land wakes the next yeah. morning. Uh, so this is about 53 minutes into a 57 minute episode. Uh, it's still. <laughs> that is how I felt this morning, actually. Was <laughs> land land felt, yeah. At the end of the episode. Yeah. Like what, what, uh, did, wait, what is what? happening? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, land wakes and uh immediately pieces together what happened he recognizes that he's been drugged um he notices the missing dagger he runs we only mm -hmm. have um music to accompany this moment he sees uh stefan who has killed himself ceremoniously uh in a ritual that's very similar to the japanese uh seppuku mm -hmm. um which was originally reserved for uh samurai as their code of honor. So how Stepan killed himself is how samurai uh, used mm -hmm. to be the only ones who were, who were permitted to do that because it was uh, an honorable way to commit suicide effectively. Okay. But even the samurai, even seppuku, they would have a second who would decapitate them to end their pain. Oh. So mm -hmm. like Stepan did the hardcore, you know, hard mode version of seppuku. So oh. Yeah, Damn, I didn't know that. Well, I know, like, in the like, that's the that's a horrible. Like, he stabbed himself in the 
guy. Yeah, like that's that is a not horrible, a quick death. No. So slow. A lot of blood there too. So you know he lingered and uh, felt the pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I mean knowing that and like how long he sat with the pain and reflecting back to his conversation with Nynaeve where he says his pain is the only mm-hmm. his only remaining connection to yeah. Karene. Um, you know, it kind of it just hits home that much mm-hmm. more why he would have sat in that pain. Yeah. Uh, which is really heartbreaking. And that just occurred to me right now. So mm-hmm. super cool, Stepan. Thanks for mm-hmm. making me feel the feels. Um and uh the only dialogue we get in this entire sequence is when um, Lan is appointed as the chief mourner. So that is a designated position. So book cloaks, shut the fuck up. Lan mm-hmm. was doing his job, which was designated to be the chief mourner to yeah. mourn for everyone. Uh, and given the more specific instruction, relieve us of our grief. Yeah. Um, and Lan I- is a man who commits to the task. And he did. I did want to talk about this scene uh, quite a bit because a I my issue with this is not Lan expressing emotion. It was why Lan was chosen. I never. I still. I don't buy it. But what I wanted to talk about more with this is uh, one of my friends here in Korea watched the show because of me. She wasn't really a huge fan of it, but she talked about this scene the most because that funeral is almost entirely very old school. Like they don't do this now but it's a Korean funeral. Mm. And uh, Daniel Henney is Korean. He's ethnically Korean. And uh, I know initially they had uh, attended to put him in uh, attire that was like Japanese attire, like a samurai. And he was like, actually, I'm Korean. There's a whole political, like Korea and Japan have a occupation. A little bit of a history there, right? Yeah. And he was like, I'm actually Korean. So I when I the first saw Lance costume, I immediately was like, that's a handbook. That's a Korean. Like I, I recognized it because I see them all the time. And it turned out I was right. Like they styled his attire on Korean traditional clothing. And the funeral is a Korean traditional funeral. The white is the Korean funeral colors, a designated mourner. That's a Korean thing. And having deep like the, she I can't remember what it was, but she explains like even you have men and they sing and they beat their chests like that's part of a tr- Korean and the ripping tr- open as well. Wasn't like yeah. this dramatic gesture by Lan. It's part of a part of the part ceremony. Of the yeah. Yeah. Like that. She, the rest of the show, she was like, oh, it was fine. But she talked about this scene for a while because she'd never seen that, especially on a Western show. Like it, it blew her mind that she was watching. You don't even see that on Korean dramas anymore because they do more Western funerals now, but it's like traditional Korean funeral. Very interesting. And by the way, the only reason I thought as a watcher without reading the books that Land did that thing is because in the show, they show Stepan and Land as very close, as best of friends as far as warders go. So it made sense as a watcher that Land would be the dude that would be the primary at it. And the fact that he found him dead. And uh, that he found him. I guess they're finding. I just, I didn't buy their friendship. Like they hadn't Hmm. seen each other in so long. And even in the previous episode, uh, Stepan was like, how, how can you get to know him? They don't like they never talk. And so I was like, well, they don't really know each other all that well. So why Lan? Why not Maxim or e- what's his name? Ivan. Ivan, Ivan, who have been traveling with like they they know him better. That's that was the thing that I was like, you had to sell me on his friendship more for this to make sense. Yeah. Well, and I think but like even when uh, just, you know, in the show's defense, and and only having two episodes to really cement this, we get like in 
in the conversation with Karene, Stepan says, even land can be like that sometimes. Mm, I guess. So like, we know that there's the vulnerability. We get conversations about love. Um, you know, Lan is the one who goes to him uh, at night and they, they sit around and they talk. Uh, so that, I mean, would I have liked more of them on the road together and Lan and Stepan maybe at the water fire again with Nynaeve after Karene's death, maybe yeah. seeing some more of that attachment and how Lan is really truly there for him. Sure. Um, but one month but later. But I also think if we had gotten that, people would have complained. What? Why are we spending so much time yeah. with Stepan? You know, yeah. we got yeah. that anyway. We, we got, got it a lot anyway. of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think when I first saw the funeral, I wasn't upset at the depiction of Lan that, I was no. like, yeah, like it, it was clear again. It, it didn't need to say like, maybe it would have helped if they said Lan is the chief <laughs> mourner across the screen. Just more really, Chirons. Yeah, they, that's yeah. what the show needs. More Chirons. That's, that's what it needs. Just really like, spell you it see, out. Really, other people aren't allowed to cry here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but the moment, uh, I mean, even on first watch before knowing all of this about the Korean um, funerals mm-hmm. and how much, Daniel Henney himself influenced that scene and asked for it. And well, I don't um, know if he asked for this scene. I know he asked I know, for a change in attire. Yes, I know he asked, okay. like, not maybe, like, but in terms of the chief mourner, I know he had a mm. big hand in in the Korean rights of it. And mm. he really wanted to pay homage um, to uh, his heritage by doing yeah. that. Um, that was really great. But even on first watch, not knowing any of that, the connection between him and Moraine and the fear That's that you can see thing. in Moraine's mm-hmm. eyes that like, holy shit, like she doesn't, if she dies, she dies, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's her whole thing. Like, let's go. I'm doing yeah. this for the dragon reborn. When she realizes that land, this could happen to land. I think that's what you see in her eyes right there is, oh my God, what yeah. am I asking him to do with me? But I think you also see the feedback happening between them. Like he's, she's feeling his grief and then he feels her feeling her, his grief. And then she feels him feeling her feeling like you see it grow exponentially on her face. It is a, that is a scene that they should show in acting classes to be like, watch this. Cause it Honestly. is, it is incredible. And then like behind her, Nynaeve is breaking down and it's, they, I thought Nynaeve was breaking down because her soon-to-be boyfriend was having a hard time. And I'm not sure if she knew the whole the whole circumstances behind the ritual. This is her first experience with mm, water, so she probably doesn't yeah. know the water ritual. And she just saw her man in pain. That's what I took out of it. That's that how I initially yeah, that's how I initially read it too, that she was her heart was breaking for land. And then like on this past rewatch, it hit me that well, she's also grieving herself. Like she's grieving because she failed. Like it could very well mm, the land part. Up, yeah. yeah, the land part is probably not helping the situation, but like but Nynaeve is a very loyal person mm-hmm. and she lets people into her friend circle basically if they deserve and Stepan became a friend. And yeah, yeah she let him in her mind, she let he him was, down. And she was one of his like, yeah, he was one of her people. Yeah. Because yeah. who she gave the goat's tongue to Stepan. I mean, she must have known to yeah. some extent that uh he did not take it mm-hmm. um, and that it was instead given to Lan who could have prevented it. So, but for Nynaeve would step and be alive. I'm sure I'm not blaming yeah. her. I'm just saying I'm, That's I can her see Nynaeve having process. that uh, train of thought. Yeah. So um, yeah, like that funeral scene. I love, uh, I've talked about this a lot, but an episode that opens and closes with the same 
storyline. This is opening and closing with mm-hmm. two funerals. Uh, really loved the symmetry, the wheel of it all. Yeah. And I, did you watch any of the behind the scenes stuff on this one? Is, um, uh, Rafe talked about the music. Like at the beginning, it's a woman's voice. And apparently yes. it's traditionally that's that type of singing is only ever done by women. And the end, it's uh, throat singing, okay. which is traditionally only ever done yeah. by men. So even that was meant to be symmetrical. Yeah. yeah. So beautiful. Layers and layers. Uh, really liked how that worked um, in, in practice, uh, just as much, I guess, as in theory. Uh, let's talk about our boys, um, Rand and Matt, or as we're calling them, Mand and Rat. <laughs> Changed this time too, but I like that. Wow. Mand and Rat. Mand and Rat. One little before. slip of the tongue, and all of a sudden it becomes it's a meme now. Thing. But this yes. is this this is this is Rat Matt, right? Like mm, he is, is. Dagger Matt in full. Like mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, like one month later, nah. Just look at Matt's face because, yeah. like. That dude has been through it this past mm-hmm. month. Um, he snaps at children, which is the first interaction we see. Actually, yeah. almost uses the word little shit. I know. Who says it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you little shit. Sh- sh- uh, this is another contender for my thorn of the episode. Um, as they're approaching Tarvalon, Rand and Matt, you know, we got, it's been a month on the road. We haven't had a bed, yada, yada. Rand looks and he says, that mountain, I think I've oh, seen I, it before. Yeah, I hate that line. <laughs> I hate that. And line. then he walks up and he looks at Tarvalon and he looks at Dragon Mount. Mm-hmm. Listen, I don't. Rand, I, I just. We see your birth in episode seven. Mm-hmm. You are a thirty-second-old evicted fetus. <laughs> in what world do you remember that mountain? That's not even my problem with it, because I would assume that maybe he's had dreams or whatever. My problem with it is, why did you say that out loud? Nobody says that out like that's the that it was obviously for so us. that we could hear it. Exactly. That's why I said it out like, loud, but so that we could it hear it. Doesn't feel natural at all. It's the same as in. It. Uh, is it this episode or is it the next episode? There's one point where he opens a book and he says the name of the book out loud. Like, what are you oh, doing? In the library so, with. Baratheon cycle, yeah. Yeah, like, no, that's not how humans are. What are you doing? I know, stop, like, human better. And, like, okay, sorry, but even, this is from the prologue of the Eye of the World. Mm. When Luz Theron Telamon, when he uh, pulls in so much of the power that he becomes Dragon Mount, so prologue of the Eye of the World is called Dragon Mount. Dragon Mount. So Luz Theron channels so much that he becomes a mountain, and he dies. So even if that is what they were trying to say with Rand. I think I've seen it before. Luz Theron would not have seen, <laughs> seen the mountain <laughs> that he became. It's funny. You and I have totally different problems with that line. But no I part of it makes sense. Line. And I'm furious with it. Are you are you freshly evicted fetus who somehow remembers a mountain? Or are you a man who channeled himself into a mountain? Either way, you should not be able to remember what that mountain is. I think I've seen it before. Bullshit, my friend. Bullshit. Unless Tam had a painting of it in his house to commemorate Tigraine. Bullshit. I I just thought it was stiffly given and didn't really fit. And it was kind of confusing. It just made you think that Rand had been there before, even though he can't remember it. And not as a fetus. Because at this point, at this point as a watcher, you don't know about the blood. Yeah. Blood open, right? No, you don't know about the blood snow. Yeah. See, again, I just assumed he was like dreams or something, but I just, it's not, that's not, humans don't do that. 
Like that's it, it made me irate. Um, I, <laughs> it, was a, it, was a ver- little, it was a verbal walk Chiron. up the hill to overlook Tarvalon while the yeah. Boo. But it was a verbal Chiron. <laughs> from there, uh, we do get the beautiful uh landscape mm-hmm. of Tarvalon, um, the dick tower, if you will, mm-hmm. uh the white tower. It even has um, balls. It even has balls. <laughs> like, come on. It could not be more phallic than that no. on Vagina Island. Island Vagina Island, yes. Um, Vagina Island. <laughs> uh, Dad, if you don't know, um, I will have Peregrine uh, or myself. I'll just send you the map of Tarvalon. <laughs> it's very intentionally designed. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can take from that what you will with, again, Dick Tower in the middle of it. But we get this beautiful landscape, everything gold and shiny and white. And then the Dragon Mount in the background. Uh, I loved it. Loved the landscape of it. Thought that played very well mm-hmm. after probably my least favorite line of dialogue in the entire season. Um, Then we get Rand and Matt walking into Tarvalon. We understand why things were cast uh, because what series does a really great job of, you know, digging up casting announcements. And we knew that they were looking for a barber, a baker, a candlestick maker, Mm. (laughs) uh, all of the things. So we walk into Tarvalon, which was so great. Um, Graham, did you pick up on the whistling? Yes. I didn't yes. see any Pad and Fane, but I saw I heard you the whistling him? and I okay. paused. And I'm like, where the hell is Pad and Fane? I do not see him. So you see the back uh, so of I did, him. I couldn't um oh I didn't I couldn't pick him out. You also oh, see the front of him at one point. Yes. I, I like yeah. when they're looking down, but like basically no, you see you the see, back like of he, him. You see him when they walk by and there's like a mm. person that moves, he's just standing in a doorway. Yes, yes. Yeah. So sorry, you oh. see him three times in the episode. Okay. Um, but like the wow. first the first glimpse, you get like the little oop, there's the back of him. Um, and the you know, they come in to rest to clean up. Um uh this was uh, we didn't get a ton of Matt and Rand in this episode, but the moment where Ra- Matt is laying on the bed after a month of traveling and he says, Tell me again, mm. the little girl in the farm. It wasn't you. Yeah, it wasn't you, Matt. Tom and I both saw it you know, Tom's not here. Um, but just that Matt continues to need that comfort that Matt is doubting himself so much. He has no memory of that night. He doesn't know if he killed them. Um, he has no idea who he is or what he's becoming. I thought that was so poignant. Um, and again, like Jenny, I, uh, I, even though we knew that Barney, Barney Harris wasn't coming back. I don't know how you can watch that scene and not get no, all the feels. It's a um, good, like, like he's good at it. I just had, he's not like all of the other she actors. She was not getting emotionally invested in Barney in his, Harris. Yeah. And Barney, like all of the other actors have like, when I picture the character, I now yeah. picture like I picture Zoe Robbins. I picture Marcus Rutherford. I don't picture anyone for Matt yet. Like, yeah, I just well, I completely like, bought in to yeah. And like, it's weird because, you know, I'm all about Egwene, but like for me in this episode, the most emotionally affecting characters were Stepan and Matt. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I can't, because his like, it's sad. Like it's what he's going through is, is rough. Right. And he doesn't know. I mean, nobody knows what he's going through. Everybody's wrong about what he's going through, Uh, you know. But so, that, yeah. that's what Matt thinks it is, too. And, you know, so like his whole thing with Rand of like, mm-hmm. you know, if, if if it's true, if I can channel yeah. 
Please do promise something me. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like they basically promise to kill each other, which yeah. at that point is Matt asking Rand to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Which yeah. is horrible. Um, but yeah, we get, uh, so from that devastating scene with Matt, who then just stays in bed, uh, Rand goes down to the library. Here's your part where he mm-hmm. is reading the Corinthian cycle. Um and Loyal walks in, and it's a very similar scene to Loyal's meeting mm-hmm. uh, Rand in Camelin. So, yay, we're not at the Queen's Blessing. This is fine. the Light's Blessing is the end name, so they changed mm-hmm. that. Um, but uh, the the number of references is quite exciting to meet an Aeolman. <laughs> I'm, I'm not an Aeolman. I'm from the Two Rivers. It's quite exciting, exciting to meet to an Aeolman from the Two Rivers. Yes. Who an thinks he's from the Two Rivers. Yeah. Yeah. An Aeolman who does not think he's an Aeolman. <laughs> Aeolman. You're an oddity. I like oddities. Like, fantastic. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. So even though Loyal didn't match up, obviously, with how I envisioned Ogier in the books, uh, mm. Hamad and Amashan killed it totally. as loyal that voice is just oh my god that low buzzing it sings of in my bees. ears <laughs> it does he's so he was so great and it was just like you know he's very he's an ogier who's 90 which is basically 17 17 yeah. <laughs> he's just a little baby and the he's baby. excited um, I, I actually really liked uh, the moment too where Rand is sorry I think he's palming through uh travels of jane farstrider and uh rand says to him a girl i know used to read this book every day thought she was jane herself incarnated mm-hmm. and like what a great way to just here's Egwene, here's my boo here's mm-hmm. how clearly i'm going to talk to loyal about this girl um from yeah. the two rivers with the braid because we come back to that in a bit mm-hmm. um but that's that's um, yeah, and just like how lovely that Egwene always envisioned herself as Jane Farstrider growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, from there, out we go. Uh, the false dragon is being paraded through the streets. So Rand goes out, uh, looks for Matt. Matt has, you know, clambered up on top. Rand goes to join him. This is where we see Pad and Fane mm-hmm. again. So mm-hmm. if you rewatch, Matt and Rand are sitting up on the balcony. You hear yeah. that whistling and you look yeah. down and you see Pad and Fane. I and scanned that bird. crowd. I couldn't see him. He's, he's sitting in a cafe. Yeah, yeah, he's sitting. Yeah, so he's like yeah. right there. Um, so we get a quick peek of him. Um, and then we get the dragon being paraded through the streets. Uh paraded through the streets and it's Loghain has his, had his cage rebuilt talked about this in the last episode mm-hmm. after it was melted he is now re-caged um, the well they boots, had a month to pick up a new cage right? I guess yeah. so Yeah, that's plenty of time to design and fashion or, or <laughs> retrieve a new cage mm-hmm. for the ceremony uh, what I loved about this rewatch is the first thing that people see are Karene's boots facing backwards yeah and so the crowd starts to get like oh shit and i said i died um and like that kind of buzz and hum and you're in tarvalon so then people start throwing Mm -hmm. um fruits and vegetables at uh logain i mean in large part because he's the false dragon but also he killed an eye yeah and and that really registered on this on this watch for me um now my question uh for all of you is we get Matt and Rand 
we get this through Matt's Matt's perspective. Matt is looking down. Matt sees Loghain. We're seeing Loghain. He looks very, he's he looks awful. Clearly in a state of deep depression. He can't even raise his eyes. His hair is lank. He is not the best version of himself. Um, from Matt's perspective, we get this maniacal laughter when Loghain, suddenly Loghain looks up and he is explosive laughing at at Matt and Rand. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next glimpse we get when when Rand's staring at Matt, Rand looks down and Loghain looks the same as he did, where he's he's just staring down. He's not looking up. Was that laughter real? No. 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 That was just all in Matt's mind. Yeah. I think it's in Matt, Matt's mind. Yeah. Matt, that, yeah. It's not that Matt's going crazy, but that whatever is inside him is playing with his head to let him think that he's going crazy and mm-hmm. taking over. Right. So Matt, what, Mashadar, Mashadar, is that the, uh, the black goo? No black Mashadar. goo spewed from his mouth this time, but yeah. clearly it's the stuff that the dagger is causing him to have hallucinations and stuff like that. At least that's what came to me. I, I never thought it was, well, sorry. When it first happened, I thought it was real, but the fact that Rand didn't see it and then he goes, yeah, what are you yeah. watching, man? Uh, afterwards, it was like, okay, this is all in Matt's head. Mm-hmm. And no one is reacting to Loghain right. having yeah, done no, anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Because people, I mean, other people would have looked up to see what he was laughing at and nobody does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So zero reaction. I do like, like I liked that moment um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, you know, we're questioning Matt the entire episode. If you're a never reader, you're wondering if he is the dragon reborn, mm-hmm. what is going on? Can he channel? Um, and of course, uh, as a book reader, it's a nice little mm-hmm. nod to we us who have read us, yeah. Eye of the World and remember that Loghain laughs when he sees Rand mm-hmm. um, in when he's being paraded through Camelin. So I liked that they still showed that, but had you as a show watcher kind of questioning everything. Yeah. Uh, then we get um, the let's make a deal scene between Matt and Rand, which we've talked about. Um, you know, we we won't let each other become like that. Like that is, that's not my journey. That's not my vibe. Just, you know, mm-hmm. help me not be that. Uh, and, you know, Rand says to Matt as kind of an aside and like me too, right? Like just, just in case, like I got you, but like yeah. you got me too. If anything happens, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, at this point, Rand has channeled once in the show. But at least in the show, he doesn't know that he's channeled. He doesn't realize there's no acknowledgement by him that he has channeled. That and, we see. That we and see. when he's chatting with Nynaeve later, right, that he we see it. When he's chatting with Nynaeve later, he actually says to her, you know, Matt's been channeling. And yes. So we don't know what he's referring to but you think he mm-hmm. obviously rand is now convinced that matt is the dragon reborn and or it's at not least going he's well trying, for him. trying to he's convince trying to himself, convince himself. Yeah. right yeah, yeah maybe that's better he's way to in say. Denial. it didn't seem like a very sincere comment but to yeah. naive but he wasn't overly worried but he just yeah. kind and of and we've thinks, also i mean we've also had the scene of him um on the quarry road with tam like yeah. he's had that. We we the viewer right. haven't we seen haven't it yet, seen but it we yet. know yeah. that conversation. So all of this, and that's why rewatch I think is so great with Rand, especially because you know all of this is playing mm-hmm. in his head. You know he's questioning himself every single day, but he's had to take care of Matt. Matt has been his priority, and so it's easy for Rand to just say it's it's Matt who's channeling. It's Matt mm-hmm. um, that is the dragon. I need to protect him instead of wondering what's going on with himself. Yeah. So not a lot of uh, intrinsic analysis. Well, or and he analysis. might think that Matt is also 
going yeah. through the same thing he's going through and that if Matt, he can help Matt, he can help himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like Matt is doing the thing before him. He might be thinking and yeah. like, See, I can Although watch. He's got to be feeling pretty good because he's not as batshit crazy as Matt's yeah. going through. Right. Yeah. So he's like, oh, I'm handling this way better, way better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so after we get, um, you know, I don't give a shit about this prophecy nonsense. Our next Rand and Matt scene is when Loyal comes into the room with Nynaeve. And again, <laughs> I'm sad. Yep. Yeah. I was just going to say, he does not come into the room with Nynaeve. This is one Sorry. of my pet peeves. Yep. He comes in the room and then Nynaeve explodes into the room maybe five or ten seconds later. Which... Once he introduces her, she needs the proper introduction. Yeah. Well, what... I went to the tower grounds. <laughs> yes, but she runs into the room, which means to me that outside she must have been like not able to keep up with Loyal. She was just running the entire time. He, he just didn't stop and slow down for her. So that's what was happening. Like It's such a weird time. Like, I know that you had to have him explain why they're together. Yeah. But having her run in the room has me imagining what was happening outside. <laughs> like it was just, what was going on? Why <laughs> was she just, <laughs> come on, slow down. Boy, out, boy out. My legs are not as long as yours <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> well, that's my headcanon now. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come along, follow me. <laughs> Seriously, there's no other reason. Probably talking to her the whole time yeah, as she's just time. like jogging. Yeah. Yes. There's no other reason for her to run into the room 10 seconds later. See, now if you had shown me that, the walk through the streets with Nynaeve like trying to push past people is like they all part for Loyal and she's mm. getting slowed down. Episode could have used that. Yeah. That's, you know what we're talking about? Five minutes in heaven, five minutes to add to an episode. Give me that moment. Yeah. Don't even give me that meeting in the gardens. Just like the walk to the light, to the light's blessing. It's like, I'm nobody loyal. Um, and so, yeah, Loyal, you know, gives us the exposition. I went to the tower grounds. I found the woman you spoke of, uh, you know, the braid from the two rivers. Nynaeve runs in. We get Loyal in the background still talking, which you, if you have the <laughs> subtitles on, you can hear it where he's like, uh, it's a, you know, the ritual in the two rivers of having the braid. And he's like just mumbling to himself. <laughs> no beautiful. one is listening. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nynaeve, you know, goes to Matt and Matt hisses. Just mm-hmm. so great. Leave me alone. Don't yeah. touch me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And Nynaeve's like, oh, he's super fucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, you know, the great moment between Nynaeve and Rand outside. They're sitting there, they're vulnerable with each other. Um, I honestly, uh, this is a- another standout yeah. moment from this episode. Nynaeve and Rand talking to each other. No notes. Perfect acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Nynaeve uh talking about the breakbone fever, how uh you know, the the old wisdom had prepared the tea that would like basically let Egwene, who was 10 at the time, mm-hmm. drift into a forever sleep. Um, and Egwene looked at Nynaeve and said, I'm not ready. Uh, that that hit me. Mm-hmm. Um, she refused the tea. She didn't cry. Um, and in the morning, the fever had broken, not her. And the line from Nynaeve that then segues into... Um, into Egwene in the White Cloak camp is Egwene is many things, but above all else, she's unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's one yeah. of the my favorite moments mm-hmm. from the episode for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, from there, let's let's talk about Perrin and Egwene and the White Cloaks. <laughs> uh, they are approaching. So again, one month later, but we don't need to know because at this yeah. point, everyone else has been introduced. They're mm-hmm. walking. They see Tarvalon. We get some Aaron Aram quips. Um, a great moment about Perrin complaining about turnip curry and how like soon he's going to be with the dogs and just like eating wild meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and he's like, how do they like? You guys don't have a problem with dogs killing and eating meat, but you have a problem with like me wanting meat in my curry. Um, and Aram is just, you know, violence is in us all. The way of the leaf isn't about denying that, it's about accepting that, which I thought was great. The way of the leaf, the way it's been done in the show, big fan. Big yeah. fan. Mm-hmm. For it, sure. It's so much more convincing than it is in the books. So much more. Like this is the best change I think they made to um the show is or from the books to the show is how they portrayed the Tuatha on and how they explain the way of the leaf uh, suffering through the turnip curry um, before the main meat. Uh, but before we get to the main meat, uh, we have the charcuterie of white cloaks. Mm. So we get the power of nonviolence. Um, Aram tries to lead Egwene and Nynaeve uh, or sorry, parent. The tiny one has awoken. Mm. Um mm. Aram tries to lead Egwene and Perrin to safety while the Tuathon get their ass beat by the White Cloaks. Uh, standout moment again. Illa, my girl, Maria mm-hmm. Doyle Kennedy, her. She killed it. Yeah. Oh, my God. The way she confronts violence and the way she stands. She gets slapped. She stands. She puts her arms out. She, the rest of the Tuathon stand with her. What a powerful moment of yeah. pacifism. And how passivism does not mean that you need to be passive. Mm-hmm. Does not mean that you can't stand up for what is right. Does not mean that you will not protect those that you love. It's just yeah. done in a different way. You don't meet violence with violence. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I I mean, I didn't love when they got beaten down. <laughs> well, but And I love how uh, Aram even says, you know, um, white cloaks, you know, they're, they're cruel, but even they won't kill Tuatha on. Yeah. Yeah. So I also, yeah. Yeah. The way that Valda doesn't actually strike Mm, the way that he lets um, those below him do the actual violence while he. Didn't he slap uh, Illa? The first time. Yeah. Um, But then when when it comes down to the, to the beat down. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's what they're actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I found interesting in this, just because it sort of for not foretells, that's the wrong word. It it is a an inkling of what we see going on in Perrin, like with his struggle with violence, is that this failed. Like and it failed immediately. Like they're running away and like they're caught within seconds. So if you're Perrin and you're trying to figure out, okay, violence in my life sucked this pacifism okay that also failed like blah like that's you know it like it's it was beautiful that moment but it was also incredibly ineffectual like they didn't save them at all they saved them for approximately 42 seconds and like that's it so as you know in Perrin's mind what what decision is he making at this point like it's it's a good seed to plant in his head yeah yeah, yeah, to really to really drive home that conflict. Um, 
So we obviously see Aram get knocked down. Perrin and Egwene are captured. Our next moment with Perrin and Egwene is uh, when Egwene has been stripped down or is getting stripped down and scrubbed raw. Mm-hmm. It is, I'm so happy Sally Richardson Whitfield directed this episode. It is so clear that it is an assault. Mm-hmm. You don't need to see Egwene's entire body to know how thoroughly she is being assaulted by yeah. this scrubbing her raw. The fixation and the focus as she gets her hands cleaned, mm. knowing what Valda does to hands, the way that they are taking, um, I can't remember, like the cuticle thing, yep. the little yeah, yeah. boop, boop. Her nails are pristine. Her hands are pristine. The focus they put on that is horrifying. The horror element yeah. of watching her be cleaned. Prepared, I would say, watching yeah. her get prepared. It's like mm-hmm. it's almost like dressing a turkey for a feast, right? So yeah. you got to clean it up. It was it was very uh, measured and very um, direct. It was it was very good. Yeah, yeah. And we not see. sexualized either in Thank universe you. or out of universe. Yeah. No, like they Loved. weren't sexualizing her. Like they weren't leering at. She her. wasn't a person. Yeah. No. Oh, oh, actually, the the first guy though. Um, when she was standing there and you could see that she was clearly standing like that. He was, he was giving her the once over. I, I thought he, I thought they were very direct in him kind of doing this, this look up and down the front of her to, uh, to I thought that was in, him, so to speak. Like, like Take making her sure, in and like yeah. being like, I have no desire for you. Mm. You are yeah. not a, dis- like you are disgusting. You are a thing to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I don't know the, the history of the White Cloaks in me. He just seemed like a creepy guy that was uh, uh, those, taking yeah. advantage yeah. and also enjoying the scene, right? So he was yeah. doing I, that. I was, I was very pleased with how, like, I, it's a very weird thing to say, but given, you know, the way I've seen that sort of violation depicted on screen, yes. the fact that, A, she was centered, her experience was centered, but not in an exploitative way. Like, I didn't feel... Like even, you know, stepping away, I didn't feel like Madeline Madden was exploited in the way it was filmed. And I definitely didn't feel like I was being shown something titillating at all. Like it was Mm. incredibly disturbing to watch every single time I've watched this episode. It was incredibly disturbing to watch. So I I hesitate to say it's one of my favorite scenes because I don't like watching it, but it's so well done. Like it it gives you the feeling like that. you. Yeah, If you're going to show something like this, this is how you do it, because you are asking the viewer to empathize with Egwene in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And even the way, I mean, her hair looks beautiful, right? Like it's been, mm. it's been washed, it's been brushed. Um, but that's horrifying in a different, for a different reason, like yeah. the care that they have put in to remove her of her ties to her community, to remove mm-hmm. her from the safety that the braid represents that we know, right? Like it's been an yeah. ongoing thing. Um, and to have her lose that just really drives home what they have done to her the mm-hmm. assault that they have done and seeing how much she is struggling but again she's not crying and not that i'm yeah. crying is a weakness but it's not a gwayne and we yeah. know that because we've like we we've seen, yeah. or naive explicitly tells us that's not a gwayne that's not yeah, how she breaks yeah um and uh you know then we have the the moment with valda and uh harkens back to that cold open in episode two right like he mm-hmm. he's eating a pig this time with a knife not using a fork not (laughs) using a fork and that knife knife. that knife that he then cleans with wine and Mm -hmm. cuts Perrin with the same knife that he was cutting the pig are you kidding me yeah another another youtube commenter so 
take this with a grain Always of salt. Right. Yeah. Um, but said that that like adding the wine to the knife would add sugar to it, which would make it hurt more. Seriously? Hmm. I just thought it was a Christian type scene, right? Where they, the blood of Christ kind of thing. I, yeah. That's what I took it at. Yeah. It was more of a religious allegory, but. Yeah. I, I don't know how true I that didn't is. write Again, it on YouTube, so it's not true. Yeah. yeah you, you're not in my comments. I don't know. I, I can't trust you. I don't know who you are. You're not <laughs> user 6396420. Like, I don't know. I feel so unfulfilled. Oh, well, do better next time. Yeah. Write it down in the <laughs> comments. Um, yeah, that that whole thing was horrifying. Uh, mm. As he's cutting into Perrin, of course, we get the flash of the golden eyes. Yeah, um, you get a little bit of the wolf thing. If as a Ooh. watcher, you finally you finally like, oh, he's got oh, wolfy eyes. Yeah. So now I get it. So yeah. that's why he. Yeah. So to me, that the the one thing I liked about the Perrin stream was this: is that you could actually see that he had a connection to the wolves. They were much mm -hmm. more obvious this time that he and the wolves yeah. were one. You don't, you still don't know more, uh, but you understand that he can hear them, he can talk to them, or not, sorry, he can't talk to them. He can understand when they're threatening more so than other people can, and when you're safe and all that stuff. And then I actually, when I'll call it Hopper, uh, is growling at him at the end. And uh, I, I put subtitles on to see if they would have the name of I the know. wolf and what the wolf was saying, but they don't. I, uh, I, that really, that was really disappointing. I thought not named in the X-ray, so mm -hmm. you know, Didn't justice happen. for Hopper. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, the moment where his eyes turn on, I was like, okay, I see what they're doing. Um, turn on. I will eyes. allow this. Turn on. <laughs> there they are. Surprise! Ah! Switch, 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 switch. Um, yeah, it's like, don't worry. Remember that leg lick from the second episode? We're mm. we're gonna come back to that. Actually, right now, it's happening yeah, right yeah. now. So just just remember, old Wolfie. Mm. Um, uh, Valda gives them an an ultimatum. Basically, uh, the the scene between him and Egwene, where he's saying, "I know you can channel, even if even if you're not channeling, even if you're not an Aes Sedai, I know you can channel." Yeah, Ow. but that kind of harkened Ow. me back to the 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 seventeen hundreds and the witch theory, oh, yeah. right? If you if you uh, if we burn you, you're a witch. If you or yeah. if we throw you in the water and you float, you're a witch. If you sink, you were you were not. So either way, you die. So yeah, I still have yeah. it. Still bothers me because if that's their criteria, then why aren't they just grabbing up every woman? Like, and I think honestly. I think there is something to it. And I think yeah. Valda knows more than he is letting on. And it's I possible, think, yeah. I think he has a terangrial or I think he has something that can sense, or maybe someone in the camp that will tell him when someone has the ability to channel because mm. he is so convinced. He's so sure. Yeah. He is so sure. And it's not like that way about every woman. It's not like he captured any of the Tuatha on. Yeah, exactly. It's not it's like only, he yeah. was sure about any other one. It's not like he grabbed Illa and was like, come with me, girl. No. He knows there is something about Egwene and uh, he is committed to making sure that she channels. And he's going to do that either by killing Perrin or by killing her if, if she channels. Yeah. Here's what here's what I think it is. Mm -hmm. I think it is the coincidence of meeting her twice. And Valda is so narcissistic that he believes that, you know, the light, you know, engineered both of those meetings to show Valda this girl can channel 
Like that is to oh. me how that's, I interpret uh, that's I, I gotta agree that that's actually what I picked up that the light yeah. introduced him twice to her and therefore she therefore was she must for him. be a channeler. Yeah. See this and of course the, he's vindicated because she does she channel. turned out to be channeler. I that was another issue I had with this episode, but it's not just with this episode. If I if I go back to episode I think two or three when they meet the white cloaks. It's episode two, I think. Two. Yeah. They he needed to spend more time with Egwene and, and Perrin because I don't see that. How is he spotting them after like that many Thank meters you. away? After one and, month later. Uh, one because month later, he said, I never he, forget a face. But he, he said he that very clearly in episode two. He looked two. at Moraine when he said it. Like he was specifically yep. talking to her, not to the people, the kids in the background. Like I they needed to have him search, at least search Egwene at in that scene. For me to buy it in this scene, like yeah. that's and he is a predator. Yeah, so, absolutely. Like, oh yeah, you know. yeah. yeah he's, so every he's woman he sees, he's mm-hmm. clocking her yeah. in some way, shape, or form. And uh, I can because he definitely is a misogynist. Yeah. He's definitely like his whole speech was very gendered in a world where male channelers are dangerous. The fact that his speech about p- the power was only about oh women, God. it's so misogynist. Like it's. But men literally get tainted by the power. But no, it's the women that he's. It's the women because, and yeah. it goes back to Leandrin's words from yeah. you know this episode, right? It's it's men who are threatened by the spark of power in a, in yeah. a young girl, and you know that's Velda. And now I'm yeah. wondering because I just said that out loud, whether or not Leandrin had any kind of connection to white cloaks when she was younger, or if there were threats mm-hmm. made against mm-hmm. her when she was just learning. Like I'm yeah. so maybe interested her family, in maybe her family's got a white cloak maybe history. She, maybe like, that's what, yeah. what it is. Um, well, and I was just thinking Terebin and Amadisia aren't that far apart, but also, mm-hmm. um, Oh, I had the thought and now it's gone, but I was thinking about Valda. What was I thinking? Um, it's gone. Isn't it interesting, though, in terms of visualization, how if you take the White Cloaks as a Ku Klux Klan thing, that they took the very Black actor and made him the nasty White Cloak? I just thought it was a great fuck off, you white supremacist. It can be anybody that's a dick. But this guy, this this is creepy. And he's doing this stuff just because he's a misogynist. So imagine what we think when we see you. I just thought it was a great contrast that they did with history on that. It was just nice. Visually. Yeah, that's it. Because I, I mean, it's a completely other topic. But I did have personally had issues with the colorism. the way colorism was like the the fact that the two very evil men in the show, the two very very evil people, are darker. Oh, skin, oh like, yeah. Both, Sorry, I didn't even put that together. Skin. You're right. Yeah, and like there are black actors who are on the side of the light, but they're both like I'm black and I'm this color, and Zoe is a little bit right, darker right. than me, and Marcus is about the same shade as i am i i think the light is making me a True. little bit whiter I, than i am but the darker one so it stays with that old shade. i had the problem i don't know if you listened to the episode before but i had the problem yeah. with, with them using the little indian boy at the start of episode two to be the servant to child valda because to me it was just a stereotype from old hollywood and stuff like that it kind yeah. of drove me crazy yeah. but anyway uh i i didn't I it did not connect with me the old yeah. white guy that it was the darker skinned ones that were the more evil ones in there. Yeah. So hmm. I had to admit yeah. it didn't fully register with me either until I was watching some like other never readers like reacting to the show. And one of them at, when Valdo was doing something literally said out loud, he's not representing us well, this dark skinned brother. And I was like, oh shit, like mm. there's only two. 
in the show. Well, and there's also both- Yvonne, but like, okay, and if they yeah. had given Yvonne some it's more a line, line, a line, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, give him yeah. something else to do so that it's like, okay, other than yeah. being yeah. the flamboyant gay uh, yeah. type uh, character, yeah, it's just it, it is, it, but it's because I've had this conversation in another podcast as well. It's not a problem because of Wheel of Time, it's a problem because of Hollywood, like, it's right. It's yeah. a consistent thing on shows that it's darker, yeah, that darker is worse and lighter is better. And so if it, it was wasn't, dis- a- it was disappointing to yeah. see and not to say that like Abdul Salis, again, he's, he's fucking per- he's nailed it. It. amazing. And, and oh, Pat, whoever, the actor playing Pat and Fane also nailing Unreal. it, absolutely Unreal. nailing it. Like, but- I don't want them replaced. If from you were going from the to wheel show... weeds, remember she was saying uh, she felt like she had to shower. Oh, wheel weaves. After what... yeah. yeah, the wheel weaves. Sorry, not yeah. the wheel weaves. Danny. But the wheel yeah. weaves. Danny was mm-hmm. saying he was so creepy. She actually yeah. shivered and she wanted to shower after watching him. So as an actor, yeah. the guy's incredible. Oh, he's incredible. He's like he was yeah. cast. He was cast for a reason, and it's yeah. not mm-hmm. about like we. I don't think that there was any malintent when he was cast. No. I think he honestly just fucking killed it because he does he is terrifying mm. in this role but oh, if yeah. you are going to have only the only yeah. dark-skinned actors play the villains you the, the, ha- like the, you have the to darkest villains like they're the, yeah. the, the meanest the villains so far ones, yeah the, so far yeah you meet a you meet a dude later on who's pretty nasty you need a, you need a that also need a, he's white some, yeah, yeah I know, but you he, need a you need a light skin you need a dark-skinned hero is what you need and yeah. right now there isn't space for them among the lead cast they're just like there isn't space. Parent and, uh, boy isn't the one. He's not dark no. enough. Like I, and I don't mean that in oh, a I bad way. Mean. But like, I see. Yeah, like, yeah. Like that's the yeah. thing. Like people don't like. It's it's a problem in a world where, for example, when Barack Obama was running for president, Republicans would darken his image on in in posters to scare wow. white people. Like that's that's the world that we live in. So if that's the world in which you go, okay, the dark skinned guys are bad. But we've got these other black people, but they're they're nice light black people. Like we can pretend that they're like. Oh, okay. That's like, and I, I say I'm a very very light skinned black person. This is not uh, something I deal with personally, but like my brother in law, dark skinned brother, he has to deal with this shit and and has to deal with the fact that if we're in a situation, okay, I'm a woman, so I'm already less dangerous. But if we're like, he's going to be in danger over me simply because of the fact that he's a dark skinned person yeah. and my nieces are darker than I am and they are going to have a harder time in life because of that unless we can fix this yeah because of that like it's and by the way yeah. it's a yeah. nod of understanding appreciation but something that I can't feel obviously yeah That's, yeah uh, it's colorism I, I is uh it is a it is a, a it's a very difficult thing to to talk about because and not talk about to understand because it's something that People to have this idea, they they think black and they just oh umbrella, and so they don't under like there's a whole it's other. It's not thing. a monolith. It's not mm-hmm. a monolith. Thing is no shades of gray. Yeah, shades of black. Yeah. In this case. yeah, like the fact like with with the I'm gonna just mention the casting from season two, but the fact that people looked at Ayula Smart and were like, oh my god, she's black, she can't be Avienda. Like she her skin color is about the same color as mine, and I am very yeah. very very fair. She yeah. has red hair. She's Irish. She looks exactly like the descriptions of Avienda, except she's black. Yeah. Like, it's an she, absurd thing to an, get upset over. Yeah, yeah. It's it's people, they in their mind, for some reason, they don't see it, but they register it subtly into the point that, again, like I said, 
to scare people, they will darken the skin of black people in pictures. And if they want to make you lovable, like they will lighten your skin. I've seen that as well with posters of Beyonce where they will, oh, she suddenly looks like a white lady because they've whitened her skin. Right. Because she's Beyonce and we like her. So she's got to be whiter. Like, yeah, it's. I just want to point out, and this has nothing to do with color. I think I'm I'm not a Beyonce fan, but that's just me. I'm That's incorrect. You're not yeah, a member of the, the, the Bayhive. I am definitely not a Bayhive. <clears throat> Sir, I have seen you dance to Crazy in Love more yeah, times than after I can count. Once, once would be enough uh-oh, for you. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Yeah, I'm not a Beyonce dance. fan. So that's after a lot. Yet. That's after a lot <laughs> of alcohol. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so you're a situational and... Beyonce fan. <laughs> <laughs> to me, to have the word um and, and situational with Beyonce. It, it, that yeah, people look at me, they just look at, oh my god, Beyonce. That's what they see when they see this face. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> it emanates. Um, but yeah, thank thank you, Jenny, for for kind of digging into colorism. I know it's it's certainly not your job to educate us. Um, yeah. but it is uh, well, thank you. It is nice um to have someone who can actually speak to this through a lived experience lens um and just why decisions that have been made in the show um surrounding colorism it doesn't discount the amazing talent that is abdul salis it doesn't take away from that at all we're not saying that there can't be very bad men who have very dark skin Mm -hmm. at all uh but don't play into the trope if you're see i just thought it was a slap to the old ku klux klan in a reverse way and i didn't think well and i think that was probably i I think part of it oh sure just from the visualization thing yeah i'm a camera person that looks really cool but uh, yeah so I remembered what I was going to say um, before um, mm-hmm. with regards to female channeling and the way the white cloaks were all about women channeling. I think in their mind, the fact that male channelers go crazy only illustrates to them how evil the power is in mm, general. So you can't touch it. Right. Yeah. And so like, mm. it's all tainted. It's not just men. It's like, yeah, why are men being unfair? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why, why are men the only one being, you know, uh, victimized mm. by this anti-power? Like, to me, it's, it's kind of it's that. that. All right. Yeah. Um, I and I, I really, that. I really like that, like heading into, you know, so Valda leaves the tent after the great scene between uh, him and Egwene. Oh my God. Where she's like, basically, you know what? Kill me now in my mm. next life. I'll come back mm. and I will like stay. Yeah, like cut you like the pig that you are girl yeah. slay you are tied well, up there's a pig on the table while there's yeah. a pig on the table uh, like some I great visualization as well i thought that, that was awesome up yeah. go off Egwene. you tell this fucker um so he comes back and like uh sorry after you know then we get Egwene and perrin and perrin's basically like girl sacrifice me mm-hmm. um I I don't deserve to. But live. at least I he finally told wife. her that he that he, he killed finally, his, his oh wife Lord. and child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> child was already dead. Um, and I I just that this was to me Marcus Rutherford's best acting of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I really loved his raw admission, how much it pained him, and also that you could see in a sense that he believes he might be freed of his guilt if he is allowed to sacrifice yeah. himself. Um, of course, Egwene would never stand for that. No. <laughs> Ever. Uh, like, but when 
did we just meet parent d have you not known me our whole life come on like bro you're gonna have a long fucking life to get over this Mm. uh but when so valda comes back in the tent and he's talking about the power um and you know the creator never meant for us to have access to so much power because of course he knows what's going on in the creator's Mm. mind the idea that the one power comes from anywhere but the dark is absurd Mm -hmm. So I have been called to stamp it out. Mm -hmm. So Valda believes that he is called by the light. That's why he must be referred to as child Valda. He's not, sir. He's not my Lord. He is a child. He is a servant. And he is here to fulfill his mission. What Mm -hmm. the fuck? That was a great writing. Great writing. You go from like the Rand talking about the uh, mountain that he's seen before. Bullshit. To having Mm -hmm. this in the same episode unreal i don't know mm. if, like the way they handle the writers things if like different writers wrote for the parent and Egwene than they do for the rat uh rand and matt stuff but mm, whoever wrote and, it's gonna stick <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> whoever wrote this bit with valda knocked it out of the park uh yeah. highlight 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 um and uh sorry he actually says that before he leaves the tent but then uh when they're back in the tent, my own hands, my own axe killed Layla. Really spelling it out for the audience. This is my inner tor- turmoil. It is my axe. How do I, you know, live my life? Uh, Egwene preparing to sacrifice herself by channeling. Valda goes over to Perrin. Eventually, he'll bleed out, starts cutting into him. You can see Egwene trying. Perrin saying, no, Egwene, don't. Mm-hmm. Um, Egwene summoning. I think she split a weave. Yes, Dad, I was just going to say, that's what I liked about it, is that, yeah, she did the little, hey, watch over here with the little puff of smoke or the flame. And then oh, I didn't know it was called to split a weave, but but while, while you're watching over there, I'm going to subtly cut his ropes over here and you're in trouble. Yeah, untrained, yeah. split a weave. And it's what Maureen said, like early on, your power is not your ability to channel, it's your mind. Like she outsmarted him. She fully outsmarted yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. It took yeah. me a couple Diversion of watches to actually poof. figure that out, by the way, yeah. that it was actually a, an on-purpose thing. It wasn't just a delay. It was actually mm-hmm. a distraction. So it was great. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. And the way oh. that we see the power coil, right? Mm-hmm. When when Valda's mm-hmm. there and he's talking, we see just like that, that one little thread, like burning through Perrin's rope. Um, beautiful. I mean, at first, when I first watched this episode... I thought that Valda was has a Terangriel that can maybe ward off weaves of power being thrown at him because mm-hmm. he says you're going to have to do a lot more than that. And well, the there fire was something kind of he did do something to deflect, it right? Him. Like he he kind of deflected. I assumed he did something to deflect. So I assume he's got some. I don't know what it would be, but in my mind, watching it. I assumed he had something that allowed him to prevent the power from hitting him. I know it wasn't a big amount of power, mm-hmm. but it seemed like he actually stopped it before it got to him. That was it my certainly read. it certainly dissolved before it even touched him. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. no singeing on that white on armor. that white robe. Yes. Um. So I'm I'm curious because I I don't think that this was unintentional. I think that there are deliberate questions that have been posed um, about Valda in the show that we need to waffle, watch and find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like that. I like I like yeah, this yeah. little mystery that's different and fun. And uh, anyway, that was, uh, yeah, splitting a weave, 
Egwene, who is channeled exactly once before, maybe with Moraine, um, sorry, twice before, because she also lit the fire mm. uh, when her and uh, Perrin were on the Caroline grass in episode three. Um, but, but they also had one month. Able- for her <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. What God happened? damn it, Chance. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot all about the practice that Egwene was doing and splitting her weaves in that one month. Uh-huh. Yeah. Only we had seen it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should have had parentheses. Uh, Egwene is practicing channeling right now. Just so you know. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> also, Nynaeve is talking a lot with Stefan about her his grief. Yeah. People <laughs> yes. getting to know each other. Stuff's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening. Next time, na- narration overlay. It'll yeah. go yeah, seamless. Lorraine has not had crazy. a pedicure for this entire month. That's why she's not <laughs> taking off her boots in front of Alana. <laughs> Two years without a pedicure. Two years. Yes. You can't even imagine the toenails. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, you know, Perrin breaks free and we see that Valda fears him, mm-hmm. um, while Perrin is there with his gold eyes and he's just like foaming at What's the mouth. What's with he you, boy? Oh, yeah. like bull Not fucking beast mode. Yes. And while he's paying attention to this beast of a man, Egwene oh. comes up and says, Shane's motherfucker, I don't need to yeah. channel. Hi-ya! Yeah. And gets him. Yes. Get him. Get him. Again, but again, again, my God. <laughs> I love <laughs> that. Yeah. <sighs> Gotta be yeah. sure. Yes. Um, but yeah, just badass Egwene who mm-hmm. carpe diems the fuck out of that situation, stabs him. They run out of the tent. She uh, grabs the rings. She grabs I that. the she, rings. She had that. the presence of mind in that moment. Those aren't yours. Now, uh, there's... <laughs> There's certainly in book one, there was nothing about the rings and Balda and all that stuff, you know, mm. keeping it. So that was all show, right? Because yeah, yeah, sure. I, I, I picked up very that little show. grab as well. And I thought, awesome. I, we're going to see those get melted. We're going to go mm. back. But somehow they're going to have to reunite. If your stone theory is right, to reunite those stones with the, Maybe. the, the bodies are probably the, the bodies. Because yeah. he burned. They you gap. saw them yeah. in episode yeah. two uh, in the yellow uh, w- one thing. One thing I was looking at in terms of the rings this episode, and I'm curious now on our rewatch of episode six, um, as we go into it, I'm going to have to pause because I don't know if we ever see all seven rings very clearly enough to pick out their stones. I did notice a significant number of red stones and obviously the yellow stone. Mm. I don't, uh, there may have been a green stone, but the lighting I wasn't able to clearly see Mm. because I mean, with greens, I would imagine because even if Valda can stop Weaves from hitting him, even if he is not threatened by the presence of an Aes Sedai for reasons that we don't know, what about the warders? Mm-hmm. And that's why I think taking on a green would be significantly more challenging. But seeing, I think I saw at least two redstones. There may have even been three. And we know that reds don't have warders. So they yeah. are easier, theoretically, to capture. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I'm excited to see in episode six if I can actually identify every color of those rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I did not see blue, by the way, in that stuff. Not in the glimpse that we saw. Yeah. So keep an eye out, Graham, as we go into episode six. Keep an eye I out. I've not for the watched rings. it yet. I, I, I wait. I wait until after we talk. I know. I'm just saying. Watch out. Eyes out for those rings. Uh, Perrin and Egwene flee the tent. There's good wolfy boys everywhere taking down the bad white cloaks. A hilarious scene of a wolf entering and and 
snapping at Perrin and Egwene's like, what the fuck? And Perrin's like, nah, we're good. He won't hurt us. Go get, go get him, Wolfie. And then off, off they run. And Egwene's just like, seriously? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So just, you know, shades, shades of wolfiness emanating through Perrin and well, Egwene's storyline. And story Child Valda saying, what's with you? Right, like he actually he says, something's really up. What he says, Light, what are what are you? What are, like, what are you? What yeah, are what are you? you? Light, right, like protect me. <laughs> yes. Uh, child Valda. Uh, and then yeah, that that wraps up Perrin and Egwene, and we'll we'll catch up with them next week. But I'm pr- this is kind of it for Perrin and the Wolves. Um, yes. In season one, I think. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. There's mention of it, and there's. I mean, there's something that happens in, I think, episode well, seven. That uh, Egwene to talks to Moraine about yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Egwene yeah. talks to Moraine about it. And then Perrin can see something that other people that's aren't right. able to see. But in terms of like actual, like, yeah. good boy Wolf wolfies interaction. there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not too much of that. Um, yeah. So that is episode five in a very large nutshell uh rose and thorn so favorite moment worst favorite or least favorite moment uh graham where are you sitting with this episode well i think my favorite moment is actually the splitting of the weave and now that i know that phrase i can actually say it like i'm you know talking from knowledge mm-hmm. um yeah. i just loved the way they did it it was just so subtle the distraction and the little gentle weave and it was obviously always her intention maybe it was on the third or fourth time that i watched it that i like oh wow yeah right that's on purpose uh thing uh i think my thorn but it was for a different reason than yours was just the stilted exchange between Matt and Rand when uh, Rand paused and said, I think I've seen that mountain before. That didn't really register with me before. I, at the time, I just thought, oh, well, okay. So somehow or another, either he's getting it through a memory or something like that. But the direct turn, walk up the hill, pause, overlook the, the uh, Tarvalon. Well, I like the view of Tarvalon. I just thought it was so stilted in delivery. It's like, oh, come on, man. Like you're, you're a better actor than that. I've seen you later in the show with mm-hmm. great things and all that stuff. So that would be my, uh, my thorn, just a really bad acting exchange on the, uh, you know, as they enter Tar, before they get to Tarvalon. The mountaintop. Chance, mm-hmm. Rose and Thorn. Um. Well, I think my official rose has to be Egwene standing up to Valda Ugh, and, and literally stabbing time. him in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, but honorable mention has to go to the exchange between uh, Rand and Matt on the balcony where they're like, don't mm-hmm. let this happen to me. Um, my thorn. Would I, can't, prob- I also for I cannot believe that one of your favorite moments involved Rand and Matt. Me too. Yeah, I, I am shook. <laughs> yes, I am shooketh, as the kids say. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think my um, thorn is probably, um, oh goodness, what would it be? That's kind of hard to say, I guess. later? Well, yeah, I think it's just in general, the things that we didn't get to see, like the, the connective tissue that would have been nice to have that we didn't mm-hmm. have. Not so seeing uh, Nynaeve and um, the, uh, the Ogier meet in the garden. That would have been great. 
I, yeah. I agree with you on that one. When the imprint, oh, I met her in the garden. I thought, wow, that would have been such a nice scene to include. And we that wouldn't have needed been. much, just more like, you yeah. know, uh, Nynaeve walks through the garden and then she sees the Ogier and she's like, what? You know, they, and uh, then cut to. Oh, yeah, like fun. they don't even have to have dialogue, just yeah. see each other and then that's enough. But yeah. definitely show them running through the streets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, is there any other explanation for why she runs into the room? Like, there's okay. no other explanation. So, as for they're that. doing their adventures later and they're doing all this stuff, we'll have to see if the Ogier is in Loyal's in front of everybody else's. Yeah. You know, and they're all like, but maybe like, they might be on horseback and he's riding. Maybe that's yeah. it. I can't remember. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> so. uh, Jenny, Rose and Thorn. Uh, Rose's heart, I think. I think it has to be the funeral scene, specifically watching Rosamund Pike and Zoe Robbins kill yeah. it in that moment. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. very nice. It is a, like the way that she is able to emote. I, I've said it a bajillion times. I when I heard that Rosamund Pike was going to be in the show, I thought, oh, that's cool. She's probably going to like I don't think I thought this consciously, but I did think she was going to half ass it because the TV show. Rosamund Pike is a movie actress. She's not a TV actress like she. One, she is putting her whole ass into this show. Like it's yeah. just, she's. Not I always bad. knew she would whole ass it. I yeah. didn't know there would she be would no whole half ass cheeks. It. Yeah, <laughs> I thought we'd get like a quarter cheek, maybe half if we were lucky. No, we're getting the whole ass. It's amazing. That one scene- giant peach emoji <laughs> yes. from Rosamund Pike. Seriously, that scene is incredible. It is stunning to watch. And then I think everybody brought their entire ass to this project. I think I agree. Acting has been for the most part really good. Yeah. The acting blows my mind. I don't know. Like, yeah, the reason I I also want to highlight uh, Julie Robbins in that scene also Mm. amazing. She gets a bit overshadowed because Rosamund Pike is just as she should, but like the fact that she's there and like killing it like absolutely killing it in that moment like it's amazing outstanding um so, and your and your thorn one month later my my thorn is one month later it <laughs> it jars me every time i watch the episode it's like oh what the hell? it is what? truly the mordor of yeah. real time yeah yeah the mordor made me laugh this it literally takes me out of the episode See, for like the mordor a- made me cry <laughs> I full on burst out laughing. I think I like if you watch my reaction to it, I think I just started laughing during the reaction. But the one month later, it makes me like while I'm watching it, I get distracted from watching the show because I'm thinking, why? 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 What happened in the writer's room that made that happen? Come on. Anyway. Yeah, that was that was a compromise. And yeah. uh rainy days and Mordor always get me down. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a parody. <laughs> you, too you bad are, you can't bring that to the Wheel of Time Idol. You are a treasure. Don't just Shantanae. count it. <laughs> Goddamn treasure. Um, yeah, man, there's a couple rose moments from me in this episode. I'm trying to think of what hits the hardest. Like, ever, you know what? I think it's the naive and Rand conversation for me. That's um, a good one. Like years. See, so many highlights in this show, right? There's. Yeah. I know. Just, that's why I, I like this one. There's so episode. many good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like even yeah. it's not my favorite. Like it's this is very low down in my my category of of like episodes, and I really call it rating. But I still there are some things in this episode, and a lot of things when I go through it. There's a lot of things in this episode that I love. Really love. It really but, works for me, and that's yeah. that's why I like doing these rewatches. Is because even though my thorn. 
my thorn is, I think I've seen it before. Um, <laughs> I, I think we've mentioned this thorn before. Uh, it mm. may have been mentioned a time or two. Um, that is my thorn. I still don't understand it. It is a rewatch. I have watched this episode this more times This is the first time that her thorn count. has not involved Perrin and Egwene, by the way. I just want to It's a big in. moment. Hey, hey. My my favorite moment from last episode was Illa and Perrin. So no, I'm, of I'm, course. I'm great getting moment. there. I'm that getting there. Moment. Um, but my... Yeah, I, I I just can't get over that. Even as many rewatches, as much benefit of the doubt as I want to give every moment and every scene, that just it just sucked. It sucked for me, and I can't understand it. I can't find a place for it in the books. I can't find a place for it in the show. I don't understand the rationale. It doesn't like why include that? Yeah. Why would you do this to me? Why would you cause this harm? But it's okay because there's a lot of other great moments throughout. And the they could have so just had Yosha look at the mountain and just have a look. Just and that look. would have served the yeah. same purpose the without same purpose. like, yeah. you know, like putting a mustache on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but overall, overall on rewatch one year later, where I know where the season is going, I liked this episode more than when it first came out. Same. Mm. I think yeah. on the heels and the emotion of episode four, when you didn't know where the season was going and you didn't mm. know it was happening, you had the super science of, Nynaeve and then you have this episode yeah and it was a bit of a it was a bit of a beat for me to come back to it yeah I I think I like I said in my review right afterwards you know that scene where like Lan and and Maureen are staring at each other for like a minute Mm -hmm. I would have like in that review episode I think I said I would have rather watched that for like an extra five minutes than a lot of what this episode was (laughs) because I did also a very good scene Scene, right? It's also a really a good, good scene. scene. Like I, yeah, it's a very good and touching scene, but obviously they're just sitting and staring at each other. I get I I understand what this episode is for, and no, especially when I talk to people who haven't read the books, even like you and my sisters, it gives the information that is needed. I just for me, it was just I I don't want to spend time with Karene and oh, not Karene in this episode, with Stepin, because I know I want to spend yeah. time with the people that I care about. It it does get better on a rewatch, though, and I yes. do appreciate what the episode did. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Um, well, that wraps up our episode five discussion. Uh, lesbian nerdy, Jenny, my girl, what do you have mm-hmm. uh, coming down the pipes on your YouTube channel? Uh, well, um, I have more YouTube videos. I have a video, my the final video on my Wheel of Time AI art uh, series thingy that I did with... Uh, Gus and Ali from Wheel Takes. I'm reacting to Willow right now. Um, fun show. Yes, I haven't watched it yet. So I I'm going to watch it, it first either. and then I'm going to watch your reactions. Yeah. I just okay. watched, I just rewatched the movie. Yeah, I mean, we did that. I remember too. a couple of times. <laughs> I, uh, I, haven't seen the movie. I haven't effects. seen the movie. You've never seen the movie? It is no. on Disney Plus. So I know, it, but it, I, I'm going to watch it after the season. It, okay. You were talking about bad effects. When they get mm. to the two headed monster in, oh in my the God. movie. Oh, and the and the brownies, how they overlay the brownies on all the episodes that are in there. And that really was Kevin Pollack. Oh, my God. Anyway, I'm going down the bullet. But wow, there was a movie as uh, Grendel was a younger child. We discovered it and we I bought the VHS tape many years ago and we mm. must have watched that hundreds of times. But it had been a number of years since I rewatched it. It's such an enjoyable show. I have yeah, not watched the series. I am waiting for Grendel to arrive before I watch Amazing. the series. Because, yeah, yeah, my partner and I, so he he was like, I've never seen Willow. And I was like, Ugh. what do you mean? You weren't raised on Willow? 
what world did you live in? This is <laughs> child abuse. So we we watched and I rewatched it. And it's like one of those things from like your childhood. Like I probably haven't seen the movie since I was 10. Mm-hmm. I don't it's been a while since we've watched it. It's been it for long. Sure. And so, but I like it was all those moments as they're coming back, and I'm like, oh my God. This was like formative child years. Like I just I, I remembered where I was watching it sometimes. It was insane. Anyway, mm-hmm. watch Willow, the original movie. It's incredible. I can't wait to see your reaction to the movie. If oh, yeah. Gonna... I, I, yeah, a lot of people have said. <laughs> so Directed by Ron Howard and Please written by George <laughs> Lucas. I mean, my God. Okay. Yeah. I'm enjoying the show. I don't want to, because you're, yeah, you're not, I don't, won't tell you anything, but I, yeah. yeah. I'm enjoying the feel of the show. So I think I'll enjoy the movie. It's it's hard to watch. Like when you watch 80s movies back that you watched as a kid, they're wonderful. Sometimes it's hard to watch an 80s movie back that you never saw because you don't have the nostalgia goggles on. And so that's a good way of putting it. But I still yeah. like, I still think, I don't know. I, I like, I just think I it's, hope a, so. it's a I goddamn hope so. classic. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it holds person. up. Okay. Val Kilmer at his best. Forget Top Gun. I thought Val it I, I Val Kilmer and drag is all I'm going to say. I went into the show, was like, oh, yeah, I, I think I know what Willow is. It's the one with Tom Cruise, right? There is a fantasy movie with Tom Cruise in it. Legend. 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 Thank you. Okay. I was and completely Tim Curry. wrong. It's oh, legendary. Yeah. Tim Curry is the devil. Oh, man. If you're not watching, directed by Ridley Scott. Yeah, oh, I wasn't allowed the, to watch a lot of fantasy stuff when I was a kid, so I, I was missed only out on allowed to watch the it. actress, the main <laughs> yeah. actress. She's from Ferris Bueller. It's she's only yeah. ever Jennifer in two Gray? or three movies, and this was no. Her it's the first. one who play. Is it the one who plays Sloane? Sloan. Oh, Sloan okay, okay. From Ferris Bueller, and she's the princess in here that Tom Cruise tries to rescue. And why did I think it was Jennifer Connelly? <laughs> Why did I think it was her? She's she a maverick, something else. but that's a different thing. Yeah. Anyway, and there's there's a unicorn in Legend, and of course the unicorn horn gets ripped off without any spoilers. It happens early. Uh, so from Grendel's perspective, this is why that's another one of her favorite movies. I see. I just say so that unicorn, unicorn girl. Mm-hmm. Um. So we've got Willow watches coming out on the channel. We've got uh, other reactions. Anything else? Um. Before we get season two stuff, or just going um, through oh i'm also i'm on the tar valen after dark podcast yeah, yeah. as well oh, nice. yes it's so, full spoilers sorry yeah, that's a full you can't you can't no, watch that it's Something. a bit of a naughty podcast as well we occasionally get a bit that's naughty. the after dark thing okay yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i cannot imagine uh anyone who's listening to this episode unless they're a never reader or a uh first time reader who doesn't already listen to tar valon after dark but if for some reason you have read the series and you are not listening to the amazing podcast that is tar valon after dark hosted by lesbian nerdy jess your amberlin seat and mm-hmm. nabless do yourself a favor and start from the beginning holy shit it keeps me laughing great discussions fun time uh great commercials and uh graham not for you <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry. yeah uh chance any other so if if you don't know you can i'll link chancenese youtube channel um she is putting out uh like she's putting out a parody albums like she's the goddamn Taylor Swift of the Watt verse. Seriously, I did four parodies over the weekend. I like seriously. My, it shows up in my subscription feed now because I am I am a subscriber. I'm a fan. And I was just like, did 
wait, no, I didn't see this one already. Like that's literally, wait, no, I didn't see this one. What's happening? What's happening? When, when the, the, the concept comes to me, I got to just get it out so I can stop thinking about it and just like get it wow. out there. Just yeah. go. Yeah. Wow. So dad, if you, amazing. if you remember from the parody challenge last year, the town of violence. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. So that was chance. And she's yes. just kept one going. Of has one of my I have. Actually, both of yours were brilliant. I love them both. I, I, I didn't, I didn't get all of the backstories because yeah, I don't course, know the yeah. freaking tales that you're going. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I really, I really enjoyed them. They were both brilliant. Thank you. And well, Chance has a voice of an of angel. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! I'm I need to catch to up. I've got them. like three. Some of them are probably fine. Like, and for some reason, like one of my recent ones I did over the weekend, uh, I did a parody of "Endless Love." But like that one now has more views than any of my others. And I'm like, that's not even one of the good ones, but like, whatever, (laughs) you know, Um, but that one doesn't have any spoilers at all, really. Like, I don't even think I even mentioned anything specifically what related. And it's like, that's kind of one reason I was like a little bit disappointed. It was like, this is actually kind of generic, you know, (laughs) but it's still, you know, like your your fans are basic. Yeah. 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 Anyone who's like super basic will, they'll love it. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, but I've been having a lot of fun with it, you know, just cranking them out. Yeah. But like, people are always like, how do you, how do you make so many? I'm just like, well, I don't pay any attention to the visuals at all. <laughs> so like, you know, I just throw some lyrics on there and Bob's your uncle. It's like, get them out, you know, cause like, you know, this, uh, I've already started working on my next entry for, for what idol. And mm. like, I'm like, well, I gotta do some kind of visuals. I can't just throw my lyrics on there. And so like, that's the thing that's that been taking about, me yeah. forever. Yeah. yeah. You know, and Jenny, you've had the same experience. Like, yeah. Yeah, like I don't have I don't have something yet for what idol because I have another parody written, but I can't use it for what what idol because it has I counted I think it's like thirty seven curse words in it, and so I mm. can't. I, I I literally I sent Matt a message like, "Can is this okay?" He was like, "Um, if it if was, was like, thirty six, maybe." <laughs> he was like, "If because I initially said, is it okay to curse?" And he's like, "Yeah." So I said, "Okay, it's got like thirty something." He's like. Oh, I was going to say like one or two is okay. <laughs> so maybe that needs to be a Patreon exclusive. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, or I, I, will... I could just release it on my channel, but yeah, not yeah. for what I don't. Yeah. One of those. Uh, yeah. So Jenny also did some um, crowdfunding to mm. buy herself uh, hands. Hands. Yes. Uh, so yes. Jenny... Congratulations. Jenny uses the avatar, uh, the Memoji from iPhone. Yes. Yep. So you've seen, yes. Um, but unfortunately, technology is getting outdated. And, and Jenny, I'm going to look link that so for stretch goals and stuff oh, as well. Yeah, so if you, you yeah. want to donate to continue to help Jenny um, not only have hands, but a body and a booty that can shake and twerk, um, then definitely donate to Beat, that. Maybe. Uh, but when Jenny met, <laughs> yes. Um, yes. when Jenny met her uh, initial goal, fundraising goal for that, she released a parody. And mm-hmm. Dad, you can watch. You this can one. watch that one, yeah. Um, yeah. And okay. you can take a lot from it because. Uh, it's called, is it Young and Tavirin? Young and Tavirin, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you, you can appreciate... watch more of mine too. Yeah. Like like some of mine are like spoilers only up to Eye of the World or like. Mm-hmm. Stuff, yeah, I have the world. Things. I actually read the uh, the first book and then Grendel told me to stop because she yeah. had yeah. this idea that I can't Enough. even never read her. 
Enough yeah. for you. Yeah. But yes, Young <laughs> and Tavirin, are awesome. Yeah. 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 Young and Tavirin's great. Young and Tavirin oh, is thanks, yeah. first season Wheel of Time. Um, some mm-hmm. small comparisons to the books, but it is exceptional. So oh, uh, yes, that's on Jenny's channel. If you are a first time reader and you're a little bit worried about getting spoilers um, and because there's a lot of stuff on Jenny's channel that is full spoilers. I will link <laughs> that video too, because it is just gives you a little taste of, uh, of what I, uh, of Jenny's talent um, and what you're in store for when you finish the series. Yay. Yay. Uh, and you. of course you can keep watching Willow and all of other uh, Jenny's other reactions that aren't mm-hmm. pure wheel of time focus. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you so much, ladies, for coming on and uh, exploring episode five with us. Uh, you can find Feather and Mountain podcast on Twitter. Uh, I guess we're still we're still there until we <laughs> shut down. Yeah, yeah. I'm already off of Twitter. I, I, I'm out. <laughs> She's abandoned ship. Uh, we yeah. will. We're, we're going down. Um, we're still on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're in a little corner of the Wheel Reads Discord server. If you have anything you want to contribute to the episode discussion, definitely jump in there and let us know. Uh, you can email us at feathermountainpodcast at gmail.com. And any of your hater comments about the show and how much you hate Lan's emotion and how the book series is now ruined because Lan cried when he was supposed to, uh, <laughs> you can send that to uh, shove it in the flame at fucktherailings.com. <laughs> That's a real domain. That's yeah, a real just, that's a, wow, it's probably that's been a, taken. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can join us next week on episode six, "The Flame of Tarvalon." We'll be joined by Jess, your Amerlin seat, and Kayla, the master of the deck, to talk all about sapphic love, baby. <laughs> we gonna get gay. <laughs> yes. Thanks so much for joining, friends. Bye. 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 Namaste.